All right, what's going on, everybody? It is me, Remy Please, of Flight Room TV. This is another episode of Overtime, Overtime 87, where we talk about everything we're not supposed to be talking about. If you found this show, you probably got lucky because, you know, we're hard to find on the internet, but, you know, we are you are amongst friends. I'm with my friends, Corey Moe, Lighthouse, Boo Boy, and our special guest, Kareem of Nine World Chronicles. What's happening, Ooh. everybody? How's everybody doing? All right. All right. All right. All right. So, uh, Kareem, let's, uh, as our guest, like, tell us about Nine World Chronicles. What is it about? Um, how did it come into fruition? And what do you do over there on your uh, your channel? Okay. First, I got to say, I loved your intro. Okay. I had to throw that out there. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on an intro for my show right now. Me and my buddy was just talking about it. So, it's, it's definitely not wasted on me. Okay. But um, <laughs> I was off the rip too. <laughs> so yeah, so Nine World Chronicles is something I started about, you know, like I said, about three or four years ago. It came out of me um, working on a sci-fi novel, right? I mean, that's really where it awesome. came from, and I felt like I needed to be more knowledgeable. Like I knew a lot about mythology; I had a pretty good grasp of like mythology in general, um, which is really what Nine World Chronicles is about. And as I started working on this not this novel, I realized I needed I still needed a lot more knowledge. And I was trying to tie in different mythologies and different cultures. I think there's some things that are some common threads, um, mm -hmm. how people represent, you know, whatever, thunder, gold, disease, whatever it is, that there are some common common threads between different belief systems. And that's really what Nine World Chronicle started off as me kind of unearthing like going through okay how does how does norse think about you know this concept how did you know egyptians how did mesopotamians how did all these people kind of view that and obviously i wanted to focus on you know and understand the african uh, experience you know most prevalently so that's kind of where we spend the most of our time and we just kind of break things down to the smallest components it's kind of what my goal is at nairo chronicles okay so uh you know Obviously, people know this to be, you know, somewhat of like alternative, uh, alternative research, alternative news, uh, you know, in layman's terms, like conspiracies. Do you like do you I mean, obviously, there's like, um, uh, you know, uh, overwork of, you know, people rewriting history. Uh, what do you say is like the most blatant or obvious thing that, you know, has been rewritten as far as like our most recent or ancient history? Well, with, with ancient history, the most prevalent thing is what they've done to the beliefs of West Africa, mm -hmm. right? Because it, it, it's interesting how they divided Africa up. Obviously with North African, you know, comedic beliefs, there's always a lie about all that stuff. And, and it's, it's literally endless, like taking possession of who the, uh, ancient, you know, Egyptians were the people who were there before the Egyptians. We all know that Egypt started from Nubia Kush, and we know where Nubia and Kush are located. So there's not really a question about who the originators were. But in modern times, first of all, uh, our culture likes to look at Egypt or Kemet as it was the first civilization. Well, it wasn't, right? Mm -hmm. so, so one, they want to they want to set that up as the first one. And then they want to change who the rulers or the founders of that civilization were. So pretty easily, if we kind of back it up a little bit and say, well, you know, Nubia Kush were was the mother of what would become Egypt, that changes that dialogue. So there's a constant battle there. But if you look at mm -hmm. West African beliefs, 
all that Yoruba, you know, and what is now Ghana, what is now Benin, all those areas, their belief systems came with them during the slave trade. And they're all throughout, you know, uh, uh, the Americas, the Caribbean, that belief system is, is powerful, but it's been vilified. So we take that and they tell you, well, this is all voodoo and every part of it is, mm. is evil. So that's kind of how I've looked at it is North Africa and West Africa and how they've attacked those belief systems. And West Africa is like they completely want to annihilate that belief system. So the voodoo part, you want to expand on that? Like you mean like how um, what we call like, um, you know, mysticism back then? Like they try to like rework and say it's voodoo or you should stay away from stuff like that? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, my genetics come from West Africa, right? Mm -hmm. And so so I've always taken the stance that if I'm going to trust someone, I'm going to trust my ancestors first. Mm -hmm. I'm going to trust my grandpa, my grandpa's pop, you know, that down that line. So I can't believe that what these people were working in ultimately was some type of a dark magic or something like just the whole concept was wrong. And if we look at when we look at any movie and they talk about voodoo, they talk about Haiti, they talk about the Dominican, they talk about those areas. There is never a positive spin on how, uh, you know, voodoo works or how what the culture really is. So mm -hmm. for me, that's been like kind of a constant attack on that belief system so i've tried to do as much um to kind of learn it myself you know to learn the yoruba beliefs mm -hmm. and to me and i may be wrong on this thread but i think there's some big similarities between what the yoruba believed in the west and what the north africans and egypt and kemet ultimately believed as well so i don't think those two are that far apart no okay so um I think like the biggest like misconception as far as like uh, Egypt or ancient Egypt is like the timeline because I think the timeline has definitely been uh, fluffed or fabricated. Like I, I definitely don't know, and I think you know for the most a lot of people don't know. If you had to put a number on it, like what are the the like the timelines? Because like people will say that uh, whoever built the pyramids, and that's a whole you know topic yeah. in itself. Yeah. But like, what is or how that's a probably better question. How far off the timeline do you think you know it is? I think they're tens of thousands of years off. Okay. <laughs> is I think you can even go back, you know, there's a temple complex uh south of what's Egypt and Dundera, and I think that's ten thousand years old or older by itself. It's got all the same representations, Hathor's there, uh Jehudi's there, you know, all these things that you see in Egypt but it was built 10,000 years further back. There's a working calendar. There's a working clock there. All this stuff is there. Um, so I, I think they're tens of thousands of years off. Mm. Wow. So what do you think is the, um, the overall agenda for why they try to, you know, um, I guess erase so much African history with Western African history away. Um, like what's the big secret? What, if that knowledge was to be, you know, um, allow for the rest of the world to see uh, what, you know, what would that, what change would come from that? Like, what's the big, you know, hold up? What, what are they trying to hide? I mean, that's a, that's a difficult thing to answer what they really want, but I definitely think it's a mixed direction of the information. So the way that we learn it here in the West is right off the bat, we learn the Greek interpretations of all the names of all these, yep. you know, net. So, and again, Mm -hmm. They never called, they never used the words gods to describe them. They were netters, right? They were just natural, right. natural occurring spirits that were here 
to help us, right? Or, or to represent certain things. And they've aligned them a lot more, at least the West has, a lot more with what um, I think what Greek gods were. You know, Greek gods were very different. They had more human personalities. Mm-hmm. They did bad things. You know, I mean, look, I don't know how many stories you have of Zeus co-mingling with some human and producing offspring. We yeah. never hear that among the Egyptian beliefs because they didn't do that. So I think there is a there is a an access to greater knowledge that for some reason people do want to control. And the fact that we haven't been able to access it or didn't know how to read it worked, uh, you know, against us because we, you know, kind of been turned out of that. Um, so I think there's some knowledge there about who we are, what ultimately happens to you, you know, in your afterlife. I think mm-hmm. those things are written down there. Good. So you do you know how they say like everybody has a nationality, right? Mm-hmm. Except for like black people, because you're yeah. black and that's not really a nationality. <laughs> do you think that uh which what is being hidden can actually be something that actually get all of us to come together to actually step into uh to actually say, Oh guys, here's where we come from, this is our nationality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe that, you know, the 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 nation state came out of like more control, like everyone existed in more natural, just tribal states. And mm-hmm. on some level, these tribes worked together. They were friendly together. They exchanged ideas and cultures. And I, I think if we looked at what the you know, what the Egyptians believed and what the West Africans believed, I'd see we're, that they were talking about exactly the same things. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's the same things. You know, we know that the Dogon tribe, which lives on the West Coast, which is in Mali, originated in North Africa. They were one of those tribes that left, you know, during one of the countless invasions. So I I think there's definitely some knowledge about, you know, people can believe what they want. I don't get into individuals belief systems, but I think there's some knowledge about what happens at some very common sense, some common sense things that we deny for some odd reason. Hmm. Do you give into the uh, the notion that um, maybe some of the the hidden history or revised history has to do something with um, uh, melanated people or black people in America's prior to you know yes. the history books? Okay, yeah, a hundred percent. Now you know because one of the big things um, is that, you know here's one thing that we we almost has been wiped out of history is Africans who built boats. And went out into the sea. Yeah, right? I was going to yeah. actually talk about. I wanted exactly. to talk about yeah, that. There's like no African, you know, no. sailors, none of that stuff. Right. <laughs> and so that's the biggest thing. Like people don't understand that. Yeah. Okay. You started. Look, everybody has melanin on some level. All of us do, right? It's important for every human to have. So our first people were melanated people. They carried the darkest melanin, and I believe in some form of a, of a, I guess you would call it an out of Africa theory. That Africans just spread all around the world. And when they got into smaller groups and just intermingle with themselves, you got more specific looking. You got redder melanin, you got yellow melanin, you know, you got shades of brown. And that's just so ultimately, I do think we all come from a, a common ancestor or a common, you know, a common family line. And I, I think that's detrimental when you want to be able to control people. So do you, are you do, when you say that, do you mean the entire human race or are you just talking about, uh, I guess, 
people of African descent? I mean, I mean, do you mean the entire human race? Or? I mean the entire human race. Okay, okay. I just want I mean sure. if we go far enough back, yeah. and we can kind of see, you know, if you to me, if you look at the southern part of Africa, that leads you right into uh uh you know the areas that would be like the Pacific Island, like we see a lot of that in, in through, yeah. through New Zealand, through Australia. We remember what those original people look like, Philippines. and then they island hopped you mm-hmm. know, around the world. Yep. Yeah. Man. Hmm. Should the what is it the, the Mediterranean Sea right there? Yeah, right there where Egypt at. There ain't no reason why they weren't able to sail off and explore. They grew up on the Nile. All that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we know that Africans ventured out into the world. I mean, it's to me, there's so many, and, and I don't know it's Was a it conversation a- that I've had with a lot of people that to me is more antagonistic than it should be. If we're saying that ultimately we all come from the same source, why, why is that a bad thing? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think we can look at, you know, South America, we see like the Olmec heads. Well, yeah. that was mm-hmm. an early African civilization. Who cares? Yeah. That doesn't change who you are. If the, if those people from that region were your ancestors, that does not change one bit who you are. It doesn't take anything away from you. It doesn't take anything away from what they accomplished, but I'm telling people, yeah, we're a lot more closely associated than what history tells us we are. I mean, do do you think a lot of that has to do with just attachment to nationalities? You know, it's like, um, you know, I'm a Jamaican. I'm different from a Haitian. You know what I'm saying? Even though they might have the same exact ancestor or uh, it could be a person from uh, an Eritrean person compared to an Ethiopian. Yeah. Like it's pretty much the same thing. But. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to have a common ancestor with that person because whatever history and conflict those two different groups had, now it's like we don't even want to be open to the idea that they could actually just be cousins and maybe right. may not even know it, you know? Yeah, I, I think on that level, I mean, 100%, what you're saying, 100%. Um, and, you know, we remember, like, you know, when Malcolm was out, he was talking Pan-Africanism. He was mm-hmm. talking to people, you're in Cuba, you're in Grenada, you're in, you know, Jamaica, wherever that we still were all one united nation. And and the power that they saw in that was really what scared people. He's the only he's kind of the last person to ever talk about it. And we see what happened to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and then I think on a bigger scale, I mean, it, look, when, when we talk about Africans spreading out, first of all, there is no such thing as a Middle East. I don't even know where that came from, where they came up with that phrase, <laughs> the Middle East. Because yeah. the Middle East is still Africa. Exactly. Right? It's a gap between, like, and, and you look at it and you're like, okay, well, they can walk over there. They right? Or they, I mean, literally. And that's what they did. And they walked and you would found civilizations where there was water at. Nile Valley, right? Indus Valley, Yellow, Yellow River Valley, right? So all those people originated from Africa. But Chinese people for a long time said that they were a unique species right that they were not even connected to anyone else because they're just denying what their actual real history is it's funny because you can actually look up and you'll see photos of like black chinese people who literally yep. look chinese mm-hmm. just as dark as me and you you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's there i mean it's funny i bought a buddha that I, you know keep in my living room just for decoration and i'm looking at him I'm like man this guy's got bumps in his hair mm-hmm. <laughs> he got african mm. hairstyles right mm-hmm. And that's one thing, like you can fake a lot of stuff, but there's things that melanated people's hair can do that other yep. people's hair can't do. 
And so it's kind of funny that you see all these representations, the lips, everything, but yet they'll tell you that, you know, there weren't Africans there that started all that. I was going to say, they say they got pyramids over there, don't they? In China? Yeah. yeah. A lot I mean, of you, they're, they're, you can't even research. Dude, there, there's a crazy amount of pyramids mm. all over the world. Like, you go into, like, yeah. Southeast Asia, Hundreds. You know, Thailand, even in Manila. There, there are pyramids there. There's pyramids in South, South America. You know, we've seen all that. Mm. And we know that one of the best myths out of Egypt or Kemet was that Asar came and taught people how to build pyramids. And that's what the myth is that that's what he was doing around the world was, you know, spreading that knowledge of how to how to build pyramids, how to grow agriculture. So I think the pyramids are big. The pyramids are probably where I started kind of thinking about connections between these different these different these different peoples. Well, do you have an actual theory from your research of how the pyramids were actually built? You know, that's something I have not been able to really come yeah, up with. That's a hard I mean, that, I, I, You know, that's obviously mo- one of the most incredible phenomenons that how they did it without heavy equipment and machinery. So I don't have an answer to how the pyramids were built. I haven't even had anything that was good enough for me to start saying, I think this is the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard some people talk about, um, you know, them starting off in, in, in not solid form, like in a sand form. And there's a process that hardened it. You know, that's the only way you would get tons and tons of you know, limestone that far. Um, clearly, they knew something. They knew things that we did not. Have you guys heard know. about the uh, using sound waves to actually move a stone? I heard I of that. that. Yeah, that's something that I, I've heard that theory as well. And these were people who the concept of vibration was very important. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. So to me, that kind of makes the most sense that you would have to use something like that to move the material and then there's a process you put on the material to harden it knowing that you wanted it to last you know longer than steel longer than any other metals i mean it's already proven that mm-hmm. yeah because then they're like hieroglyphs they have like tuning forks yes so yeah and i mean in a lot of their mythologies talk about vibration being the tool that started everything i mean yeah. so these were people who talked about vibration the power of vibration so if it came as a technology, I would not be surprised by that. I'm sure there's a lot of things they knew that we have not discovered yet. Yeah. What do we got? Oh, yeah, that's a tuna fork. Mm-hmm. That's probably like, you know, bouncing off each other. Yeah. And like, and see right below that, like that symbol is the symbol for the civilization. So there is a connection between that civilization and that that tuning fork there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was another, uh, I don't I want to say myth, but what? Well, uh, one of the things that I read was um, that the pyramids, how they were built, uh, the when the wind would blow through it, the sound, the noise that it would make, um, it was like a, a humming sound, which actually they used to actually heal some mm-hmm. of the you know, okay. sick people. I haven't heard uh, that one. All right. See, yeah, see I had that. heard that as well. I, I heard that as well. Because there were specifically healing temples some smaller healing temples and I, I heard exactly that same thing so again vibration being a part of like keeping yourself in tune i think it was really big for a lot of the things that they wrote that frequency right. and, and it's crazy because you see now how if you could relate that to today how every how people talk about you know the music the frequencies of it how it definitely uh has, it does the uh, reverse exa- exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> But yeah. it has a major impact on today's society, yeah. though. 
Yeah. Well, you know, Bob Marley had talked about it when, you know, I remember Bob Marley talking about his music and them associating, he's saying it's just African drum beat. So we knew that there was something special about that drum beat. Like we've always used it. I think previously we used it at a time where, you know, there's a part of it that's hidden your subconscious. And I, I think you're able to slip messages in back in the day with something positive. But now I think that exact same thing is used against us. You know, I mean, look, yep. Diddy, the look, Diddy is successful right now because he was <laughs> identifying rhythms and beats that we loved. So mm-hmm. he took rhythms and beats that we loved already that he knew vibe with us. And I'm just going to put some different lyrics over the top right. of it. Essentially, it's the same song. It is so to realize that, OK, yeah. <laughs> that rhythm, that vibration has a powerful effect. It's especially on melanated people, because I think there's a way that we vibrate with it. That's significant to us. So when when you can take that, you've got us listening or you've got us into it. You can start telling us all kind of crazy stuff. And that's what we start listening to yeah. lyrics. Now you're like, man, I can't believe he just said that or he, you know, so it's it makes lyrics a lot more important yeah. you know, under that context. Kanye actually but, said that in an interview talking about the 808 specifically. Mm-hmm. Definitely the 808. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny that everything you said, it makes so much sense because a lot of those songs, like let's say back when um when uh, Bad Boy popular, um, they would say we taking songs from the 80s uh, and reflipping them with songs from the 70s, flipping them. But a lot of those songs were positive, feel good songs. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you come on there, you got Biggie rapping, you got Biggie rapping on it. He talking about throwing people off roofs, or you know what I'm saying, throwing people <laughs> off the bridge. But, like the original, the original song. The original song was this feel good Luther Vandross song that right. made you want to love your wife. <laughs> <laughs> and now, and now, yeah. you know, the biggie, the biggie, the biggie flip was about violence. So it's just kind of crazy yeah. how they use that same thing against you. It's, it's, it's yeah, crazy. and it's not, it's not unintentional. It, it's not just mm-hmm. happening by accident, right? Like, right. Clearly, somebody understands the power of how that works. And again, you know, we live in the same country that they had to tell people to stop putting subliminal messages in TV shows and commercials, mm-hmm. right? So there, there's this whole, there's this whole topic um, called dark psychology. I don't know if you guys have read up on dark psychology at all. Okay, hold on, I got something to search now. Yeah, pull it up. <laughs> I never heard that. Come on. Okay, but what what I learned about it was that dark psychology to me is like magic, like well, what we see performers do, where these are guys who understand all of our blind spots. We all have them. That girl didn't really disappear, mm-hmm. but he knows how to make it look, you know, how to trick your eyes because he understands. Mm-hmm how your field of vision works, how you process. So it's the same thing with anything. If you know how right. to process stuff, you can easily slip things and change things on them. Gotcha. Hmm. I need to master that. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. See, the thing about it is to me, it, like, I can give you some good examples of some people I think have used it to their advantage. And I, I will start with R. Kelly. Okay. R. Kelly was a master of dark psychology, and R. Kelly understood the power of his rhythm. He understood the power of what he was doing. He knew the kind of control that he had over us, right? And he even said it. He was like, I'm the Pied Piper. Piper. Yeah, yeah whatever. Like, and that, that, to me, that was like, okay, he's telling us that he's using vibration to bypass your conscious brain, to hit your subconscious, and say stuff that you wouldn't be able to say if we were just having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of it was a lot of you know uh, innuendos in a lot of his songs. You know he wouldn't say it directly, but if you really listen to the words, he's saying something you know that's actually kind of 
one over your head. If I could turn back the hands of time, wait, mm-hmm. you wish you was her age, so oh shit. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you know, one of the documentaries about him is gone. Mm-hmm. My wife was watching it. And before the holy Aaliyah thing, he's singing about Aaliyah in another song. He's talking right. about all these girls that got that vibe. It's just one reference. But at the time that this song this song comes out, she's actually 12 years old. Oh, damn. Right? And so, like, when you think about it, like, he's, he's naming all these what we think are grown women, right? And then he's talking about this little girl, and no one pays attention to it. No one pays attention to it. But now, you know, 30 years later, 20 years later, we're like, damn. He was talking about Ali when she was 12. But did right. he say her name at the end of that song? I'm sorry? Did he say her name at the end when he was naming the bunch of girls? He he named her. It was what? that song, something, something vibe. And yeah. he's naming such and such has got the vibe. And he says even little Aaliyah has yeah. got the vibe. Wow. Aaliyah's got it. Oh. See? See? Oh, so, man. Yeah. Right? So dark psychology to me, like, Hitler tapped into it. Mussolini tapped into it. There's a lot. Jim Jones tapped into it. Like they understood manipulation. What's what's the guy for us? Scientology. He definitely probably used that. Oh, Oh, L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. L. Ron Hubbard was a master of that. Yeah. And he Mm. was on some real dark stuff. I mean, like everything that they were about was about ultimately controlling people. And it's and the scary stuff about it is that we're all susceptible to it everybody has blind spots we all do mm. and we never know our own blind spot i mean someone who studies it does but that's what allows T- pen and teller to do what they do hmm. it's magic it's magic it is it's dangerous like i always say man the most dangerous people on the planet are magicians and carnival folk <laughs> okay they make a living off of tricking you and yeah. showing you things that aren't necessarily what you think they are that's mm-hmm. why they don't tell us about and how people they really on TV won the wars <laughs> of like the Haitian Revolution and like the war 7 Eleven. Because a lot of those wars, that's like you were talking about earlier, the voodoo, that dark mm-hmm. magic, that's what was being used. Because yeah. they said they even heard stories of like soldiers when I said, Well, yeah, soldiers uh being shot like 40 or 50 times and they're still getting up, coming at the charging, like still fighting. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, I, I mean, there's definitely something to that, whether they were using some type of herbs or some type of trans-like states. I mean, we know like the early stories about the first assassins, they were supposedly smoking hashish that put them in these mm-hmm. mind states where they didn't have fear, right? And, and mm-hmm. even Japanese uh, uh, bombers were yep. using whatever. Uh, and uh, Vikings and mushrooms. Right? Yeah. So, you know, again, you know, that kind of goes back to what you guys were talking about, these like super soldiers. These weren't necessarily super soldiers in that traditional sense, but you could send them out with whatever message that you programmed them with, and they were going to go out and do this no matter what they faced. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. All right. So uh, I kind of want to go back on that Dogon because I meant, I, I meant you mentioned Dogon. Yes. And um, like, is there a connection with um because this is like you know pre 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 maybe pre like um any understanding about like the heavens and the stars and all that stuff like do you have you tapped into any of that 
I mean, it, okay, what I have seen is that all the mythologies of the world tend to reference some type of a, you know, some type of a star system. Mm -hmm. They tell us where they come from, right? So if we listen to what, you know, what they call the Egyptians, their, their netters or gods, they tell us, okay, Sirius B, Sirius right. star constellation is where they literally say they come from. Mm -hmm. We go to Norse mythology, that Germanic, they talk about uh, 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 Taurus star system. If you go to uh, uh, Hindu beliefs, they reference another star system. Right. I mean, that essentially is what the core nine world chronicles is. I was starting to see that all these mythologies were tied to some type of uh, astrological body that we still that still has influence on us to this day. Mm -hmm. Stars that we still follow. So I 100 percent believe that there is a connection to what was in the stars. And it kind of influenced how I started to view mythology as well and started to say, OK, what, what if these were just advanced beings no different than us but years ahead of us on how we were supposed to evolve or, or where, where we're ultimately supposed to go or what civilizations do um and so i've always kind of interpreted specifically the egyptians especially the story of asar is that this is a story about someone who came down here to give us knowledge teach us how to read and write taught us how to grow crops and and gave us math taught us how to do temple building and so I 100% believe in that connection to the stars. So do you think, because um, do you think that that's tied into <laughs> off? Oh, go ahead. No, no, get it off, yeah. Oh, yeah, do you think that ties into thought? Because I know that um, from what I read, he's the, the inventor of mathematics. Uh, you know, pretty much he brought science down. You know, every pretty <laughs> much uh, the, the basis of everything that we, we pretty much learned in math, science, um, you know, astrology, all of those things. Um, so is he tied to, I guess, from, from all the way to the beginning, is is he, is his legacy or his, you know, influence, does it tie all the way back to the beginning? All the way back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. All the way back. The way I understand the myth, obviously, Atum was, you know, Apep and Atum were created first, chaos mm -hmm. and order. And once mm -hmm. order started to get things going and figured out, you know, Thoth was tasked with, figuring out how everything was supposed to work or it came from uh man, I'm drawing a blank on the goddess that it came from that he worked with Sashet Sashet were, his, were that tandem and, and his wife, his wife, she was the scribe. So he was the one speaking the words of the foundation. So I think he's 100% tied into all the knowledge of the universe. That's the atonement. But, um, yeah. And I then Ma'at was just keeping those things in balance. So those three, Sheshet, uh, uh, Jehudi, Thoth, and uh, Ma'at were were essentially tied to all the foundation of everything, how the cosmos works, how life works, mathematics, all that stuff. Hmm. <laughs> all right, they so, said he had different incarnations through time. Yeah. Yes. Different incarnations through time. Do you think that even right now he may be out here some, somewhere, like, you know, in a different, uh, you know, I guess a different uh, form? And, avatar, um, you know, well, like, yeah, Avatar. Like, or do you think yeah. do you think it has to be like specific times in history where it's like, all right, now it's my time to appear. They need my knowledge. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Because yeah, we lack him right now. Yeah, I mean, I definitely right think now, that. Like, that is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, you know, so fundamentally, when I started writing my sci-fi novel, it was all based around they were here and then they left. So, like all I of a sudden, right? That. I mean, I believe that overall, like there was an influence that came here. 
whether it was something self-imposed, they had a, a, a specific set of, of information that they wanted to give us. I think they did that. And I think that they left and we were supposed to, and that's why everything was written down in stone so that these lessons and things wouldn't be forgotten. Hmm. But, but then right, he... quick question on that. Cause I got one too. I think I heard some Louis Farrakhan uh, speeches where he was talking about, there was like spaceships of people who it, like in the sky right now of, of black people from the past that like still come back and like look over us or something like that. I wonder if Mothership. maybe these things are tied together. Yeah. Mothership, these things are tied together. I heard some other baby planes. Have y'all been watching the skies lately? Since you brought that up, <laughs> like seriously, I'm so serious. It's, it's. I mean, y'all. I know y'all do, but uh, keep going. Sorry. I, I mean, I, I, look. I think that with that band civilization, that ability to, you know travel between planets between solar systems would probably be i mean we're we're we kind of feel like we're knocking on that right even now nah. and we haven't figured very much out mm -hmm. so i definitely think that you know those were so i look at them and i say these these deities definitely had a, an influence i think if you look at because the brahman brahmanic belief systems essentially say the same thing and even the norse say the same thing they're talking about this uh, Yidrasil, right? This tree that connected connected all these things together. Hmm. But they were essentially talking about these different worlds having access to this realm, to this star system. I think our star was had a specific purpose. It's kind of a special star. It's a life-giving star. There's a lot of stars and not all of them support planets. So I think that there was something to that and I think there was a, a, a share exchange of knowledge. So I do believe they came here and whether they're still here now, I don't know. I think we can still access them. Um, I felt like the, the the pyramids themselves were supposed to be like the sources where that communication was at, was at its best because of its alignment yeah. with Sirius, you know, and so forth. So I definitely think that there was what we would call an outside influence. And they represent, they came here, they did their time. Why they would leave, I don't know. Because we could <laughs> That's what it seemed like. It seemed like, like. Uh, like um, like the whole Mesoamerica um, Aztecs, they just up and left. It seems like you know, for the most part, the Egyptians and the pyramids they got like deactivated, and they just up and left. It seems like though people, the people that they're now aren't you know direct descendants of you know hmm. ancient Egypt whatsoever. Right. So. Right. I mean, so in the sense, so where my head was as a sci-fi writer was that there was some event like once these forces left. That there was another force, and their their goal was to distort the knowledge that was out there, right? To kind of take that, to dilute what the 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 bloodlines were, to move people who may have been connected and have natural associations with the belief system or a place, and disrupt that, and then start another set of belief systems that it's kind of similar, right? It's enough that you kind of like. There's nothing better than the subtle lie, and it right. starts by like. I'm changing the name of, of this person. I'm changing where this place came from. So I, I definitely think that there were multiple, not just what we call the, the comedic deities or Egyptian deities. I think there were a lot more influences. And if we look at our relationship with the stars around us, who's closer to us when, you know, what, what uh, uh, star we're under, what age we're under, I think those would allow us that communication, that access to those other other peoples. Mm. 
Yeah, man, that's that's like I don't know. I, I feel like if we knew that, it would place a lot of things in the perspective. <laughs> so, can I ask this question? Maybe I'm jumping the gun, but what do you think they tap uh, tap in with with the Anunnaki? So the Anunnaki, well, I think their presence is here, and I think you see it all over, uh, uh, like, Indus Valley. I think that whole snake representation is mm-hmm. showing us something. So I think that they did – they're one of those groups that I look at where they came from as well, and I can't remember offhand what star system I had them associated with, but I think they're a very similar situation. I think that they were more of a, kind of an overlord, get this work done type of scenario mm-hmm. in exchange for some of the, you know, maybe knowledge that we did get. Um, and I just look at the 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 Egyptian comedic as a friendlier relationship with, with us, but very similar circumstances. So I think there have been multiple influences that we've endured at multiple times. And I think they've even had conflict with one another. Mm, gotcha. I got I got a quick question. My, uh, hopefully you ain't already answered. My my Wi-Fi was tripping just now, but um, so okay, so we can we agree. Like earlier, we were talking about how uh, maybe the Egyptians the Egyptians are not the oldest civilization. It's mm-hmm. Mesopotamia, as far as we know. Um, but then when you got like books from India that that go like way 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 back or whatever, but. With the so you got the Egyptians and we're gonna say the Mesopotamia. Like, do you think the the I guess you, they call them the Anunnaki gods, or would you think they're the same as the Egyptians? Um, no, not at all. I don't think so. I don't no, think so. No connection, or I think they might have been civilizations that at the same time had access to this sphere here. I think mm-hmm. they were kind of doing different things. Um, Cause there's some, I, look, like, and, and I 100% believe that the Anunnaki had a very strong influence on, on the early history, especially right. in, in that area of Mesopotamia. We can see it by a lot of their God representations. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so for me, I've always looked at that and said, okay, and I think there's some crossover. I, I think there is some crossover between the civilizations. I will say I think that that Kush Nubia came before Mesopotamia. So I think mm. Kush Nubia came before all that. I think they were the first, the earliest civilizations. I think Mesopotamians were uh, people who came from the southern regions who migrated. And when I look at their associations with particularly the reptile gods or those reptile uh, similar reptiles used to be thought of as helpful beings, right? right? I mean, the and then we see from other mythologies that directly attack taking knowledge from snakes that, you know, it became like, we still look at our medical system, right. And we still see snake symbolism. So at some point, obviously that coming from, uh, uh, Emotep, right. Mm -hmm. That this is association of learning higher knowledge from snakes existed in Egypt. It existed in Mesopotamia in this Valley. And then at some point, modern belief systems came and directly attacked that in the first story. I mean, we go to Christian beliefs, the first story out of that book in Genesis, or, yeah. or one of the early stories, is about don't talk to snakes. Yeah. Don't listen to snakes, <laughs> right? Don't take knowledge from people that we've been taking knowledge from for a long time. Yep. Yep. And that's, you know, that's supposedly the Kundalini, and that's, you know, the sequences in your DNA mm-hmm. also. So, 
So I, yeah, I, think, I think there definitely is a sacred knowledge. I mean, we watched, yeah. you know, all the Egyptian, the pharaohs always had the, the mm. cobra highly represented. Uh, yeah. Right, because it, 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 it represented the vine and the spine. Yeah. Yeah. It's massively prevalent. So I always looked at that and said, okay, that's the first, that's the first bit of access to knowledge that they want to steer you away from. Why that is the case, I'm not sure, but that's something I thought was was an easy straight line to. Gotta get initiated. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm digging more, like I've done a little research into the Mes- Mesopotamian uh, you know, mythology. So I got a, a general understanding. My partner and I are going to go back and dig deeper just because a lot of people are asking about it as well. So obviously mm-hmm. it's very important. You can't sidestep it. So we're going to deal with it. But even like, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the story of Akasha, the, the vampire queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aaliyah. About her, Aaliyah. Aaliyah. Yeah. Her history was that she was a Mesopotamian, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was real. Yeah. She, she was oh. a Mesopotamian princess. She married a comedic uh, Nasu, a comedic pharaoh. That's how she movie. got to, to Egypt. So I look at those civilizations and say, well, I think they developed. I mean, they they weren't so far apart that they didn't exchange information. So I'm sure once people started right. getting the concepts of writing, those things spread. So I felt like they were two civilizations that were concurrent, that they exchanged knowledge, they did trade. So I don't I don't draw as much of a hard line between them two as a lot of people. Like so that. almost like two superpowers. Two superpowers. America yeah. and China back then. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So what what about like all right, even tapping into Hollywood, right? Um, I know that you know, I've read some things or even watched some YouTube videos where they'll talk about like a lot of the even let's say Marvel movies, they're tied into like a lot of ancient Egyptian uh mythology or even like um um just even just the storylines, like you know, the uh, storylines with Hey Ru in them. And, uh, you know, just different things like what's the significance of Hollywood always using like these, you know, um, historic uh, uh, just these times in history. And they keep playing them over and over with different characters and different movies. But it still may just be the same story because they're reptilians and they can't create. (laughs) Well, I mean, everything about Hollywood is basically Egypt or Africa in some way, shape or form. DC Comics, you have to search really hard to not find a character that's related to some myth in DC mm. comics. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing with Marvel. I mean, Marvel is everything about it. I mean, the black Panther literally goes back to Bastet. So we know where that comes from. We didn't have to look very far. Uh, DC has a character. Her name is Vixen. It's all West African and Yoruba beliefs, hundred percent true stuff. Right. Um, um, I mean, black Adam, Black Adam is 100% comedic beliefs. Every single part of, because, you know, the, the term Shazam was the acronym for who he was drawing his strength from, right? So it's like Shu, Heru, uh, I forget who the A is, uh, Zahudi, right? Just a, a, a change on his name. All of them were linked to African deities, which was kind of funny when you when you compare him with, you know, there's Black Adam and there's Shazam. They were drawing the same process, but they were drawing off of different beings. I think Shazam, I think he was like, uh, I think it's Hercules, Zeus, uh, 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 Solomon were his people, whereas Black Adam's side was Tahuti, you know, Heru. So when I started really looking at it and I said, okay, all this stuff is representing character, right? All the Egyptian mythology, all their symbolism was about character. 
nobody really had a hawk head, but they were representing hawk character, right? Mm, In right. terms of like the protector, the strength, right? right. Warrior. So it's all about character. So I looked at I looked at Black Adam, and if we look at who Black Adam comes from, I'm like, that brother's the hero, right? If you draw on, on Tahuti's knowledge, you have access to all Tahuti's knowledge, all the knowledge of the universe. You have access to the strength of, of Heru, right? All the strength. You're, you're drawing on all these high character uh, uh, beings. I got to believe that you're actually carrying a message. And what, what Black Adam is doing is that he is actually representing Ma'at. He's actually representing balance. So oh, wow. I'm really interested to see how The Rock portrays that. But Hollywood, and that's a scary part. Hollywood and comic books know more about African belief systems than descendants from Africa. Yeah. That's the scary part is that they can rebrand your own history, mm -hmm. alter and change it. Right in front of your face. Right in front. It's like I was, and this is always, you know, I was, I was talking about, me and my boy talked about the Thundercats, which is a kid's cartoon. I watched mm -hmm. it when I was like eight or nine years old. But they're talking about Ra. They're talking about the third eye. They're talking about all these concepts. <clears throat> but of course, Ra is the bad guy. Ra is the villain in the raggedy, you know, mummy, right? In the broken down temple, because you don't want children to associate. Okay, that's the hero. That's what I want to be like. You want them to be this. And like the, the Brendan Fraser mummy movies, um, we're totally insane in the sense that you took grave robbers and portrayed them as the hero. And my man Emotep got called the backstabber, an adulterer who mm -hmm. turned on the pharaoh and had to be endure the worst punishment that they have. But if, for those of us who know who uh, Emotep was, he was a scholar. He was a doctor. He designed a lot of the pyramids, right? His he was a good guy Peace. that we should right. we should venerate. <laughs> exactly. Right. Even Akasha's story. Akasha's story is about a, a, a Mesopotamian woman who married. An Egyptian king, and they were fighting to stop people from being cannibals. That's ultimately the the story that she got. You know the, what they leave out that they show it in that movie. Um, what's it called? The Queen of Queen of the Queen Night. Of the Queen of the there. There you go. The they show the story, but they cut off the part where why does she have beef with those witches? Because they were cannibals, and she was reading the area of that practice, and they unleashed this demonic spirit on her that ultimately turns her into the first vampire she was a hero she was fighting for what a lot of us would believe at least in the in the morals that we all believe right now it's funny we've had kind of had that conversation on this podcast before where in some movies the hero is actually trying to preserve a civilization that's not natural the villain is actually trying to destroy this civilization because it's you know it's a, it's a toxic civilization to the planet mm -hmm. so you're watching this and you're like oh hero save it but the hero is actually trying to preserve something that's actually bad. Do you see what I'm yep. saying? And yep. you, 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 the entire time you're watching the movie, you're actually rooting for the person to preserve a, a, a evil society. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Like you know, when I was talking about the character of where they of where they come from, with Shazam, one of his uh, one of his one of his characters is obviously Zeus because he draws on Greek mythology, right? And we can go through Shazam's list of character. But I looked at his list of characters and I'm like, man, there's a lot of rapists over here, okay. right? Like when we look at Greek mythology, they kind of have spun that or woven that into the fabric of their mythology, but yet they're still the heroes. You write movies about how many, 
how many how many serial rapists do you guys know that rewrite stories about them being a hero? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but that's the story. Like Zeus, Poseidon, Hades. Hades' right. most famous story, right, is he kidnaps a, a a teenage girl to drag to the underworld. What is that a story about? Even what's that thing we, 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 uh, Oedipus, the Oedipus Rex, like, have, you know, thoughts about his mother and stuff. That's some sick shit we learned yeah. in, in high school. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the craziest. And again, <laughs> their position as your protagonist, people that are your hero. So it is giving you some very conflicting message about who you're rooting for and who you shouldn't root for. Mm-hmm. You got an Oedipus complex. Yeah. <laughs> baby boy. Oh, twist. <laughs> I was in baby boy. <laughs> But uh, yes. So I was going to ask that question when you mentioned like the um having like the the hawk head, the uh the Ibis head, the uh you know. So these um figures or hieroglyphs, you know, they having you know these half man, half hybrid, or um what was it uh with the alligator head that's standing mm-hmm. behind uh Thoth. Um. So do you do you think these were actual? walking beings or is this some like um cosmology type deal or it's like you know folklore to like guide you in the right way like it is today or was it like different times back then where everything was a little bit supernatural um well i think one things were more supernatural but i think all these heads were just representing a character like the the you know all of them were about representing something like when we have net bet who was the the vulture headed right mm-hmm. well she was representing what do vultures represent well it's motherhood it's protection right you know what does the crocodile represent well he's he's protector he's a river for he's a force right he's he's kind of chaos right um even like uh uh set jehudi all of their all of their representations which is what they were were just that it was assigning a character so when i draw this on, in stone you can understand who this person is, right? We it's represent. like, who was Montu? Well, we can show you who Montu was. He had this type of head, right? It was it was the hawk head. And sometimes that manifestation changed. Some of them had multiple, right? We know like <laughs> when Hathor was cool, she was the cow goddess, right? She was the beautiful, a cow that was so beautiful, right? But when she was upset, now she's segmented, she got a lion head, right? Yeah. The same being but we're representing two different aspects of her character by changing that side. that that symbolism out. So I think it was yeah. more about symbolism than actually they had anthropomorphic forms. Mm-hmm. Okay, and a follow up to that. All right, so like you know, these uh, and they said kind of like Thoth kind of, um, kind of just like appeared out of nowhere. You know, some stories say that, some stories don't say that. So do you think that? Um, and you kind of. One of your Instagram posts. Uh, do you think these are these are alien beings, or and yeah. or did we come from alien beings, or you know what I'm saying? To, I think they are definitively alien beings. Under every way that I would define an alien, you came from there. You told me your house was <laughs> okay. serious, and that star system there, mm-hmm. and now we're here. So cut and dry to me, that's an alien. (laughs) I would say the same thing for Norse beliefs. People talk about Odin. They Uh talk about, I would say exactly the same thing. Whether we came from here or not, I think is debatable. Um, Because I've heard a lot of black people who, old myths, say that we did not come from here. We didn't originate here. We came from somewhere else and we were seeded here. Australian Um, Aboriginals still say that today. 
yeah. So I, I so that's something I'm still kind of hanging on to. You know what I actually believe in that regard. But I definitely believe when we're talking about them, we are talking about aliens. And it's funny because like I've done earlier videos, and you got to be careful about who you call an alien. Some people are going to get mad about that, right? But I but I'm as simple as okay. If you didn't angels, if you talk about the angels, like the, the the fallen angels, well, they're aliens too. They didn't yeah. live here. They're not from this neighborhood, right? They didn't grow up on this block. So you are alien by definition. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I can dig it. And said the fallen angels, uh, what they had uh, had children with the with the mm -hmm. what is it with the daughters of men or something like that. Mm -hmm. I forgot exactly yes. how to say nothing. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think some of that. I think some of those stories are truth. I think there's something to that, and I I do feel because everybody talks about wiping that line out, right? Getting you know everyone who was fighting against giants, well, that's what they were fighting against was wiping that line out. Native Americans here have stories about having to not far from where I live. I live in uh, New Mexico. Obviously, we still have a lot of tribal people out here in this community. There's a story about a cave uh, structure not that far from where I live, and they tell you about a fight that these natives had against these so-called giants, right? And oh, you're like you ant people at, there too? I'm sorry? Ant people? Yeah. In, in New Mexico? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So 100%. So if you look at who had to fight giants, they were fighting them here. Uh, 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 King Solomon, David, they were fighting against giants, right? Thor mm. over there, he was also fighting against giants. So there's all these stories about, and that's what the Nephilim were. They were these hybrids between these fallen angels and these humans and they were like these this they were tripping right they were all over the planet and they were consuming all the resources so i, I think the anunnaki story i think they talk about some floods that come through um, obviously in biblical accounts everybody talks about some floods that was engineered by someone and i think it was directly to wipe out a line of giants that were probably these nephilim descendants a few of them may have lived and i think these are the people that we called Hercules, or we called demigods, and we called whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that's directly where they came from. Do you think they still live today? Some are hidden. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know because I think we still see worship of them, right? I mean, we still see, we still see it. I think we still see the effects of it. I don't think they're obviously a dominant force, but I think there's probably still some of their line that exists. Bigfoot, Bigfoot. And what about the? Uh, have mm -hmm. you, heard, you heard about the? Um, a lot of the mountain peaks and a lot of the uh, volcano are actually like. Uh, some are like the actual bodies of giants. I mean, a lot of their mythology. I think it's it's the 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 Norse mythology is literally they tell the story of him creating the world out of a slain giant's body. You know, they mention that. <laughs> There's some others that mention you know those type of beliefs. Um. I, I think anything is, is possible if we open up our open up our brains to it, but they talk repetitively about these giants. And so it would be interesting to figure out how that plays into what we actually see. Breaking up, boy. But uh I so you mentioned um like the whole alien, like maybe not literally or whatever, but um in the connection of Egypt, have you looked into the uh, the city of Sidonia on Mars? Heard about uh, yeah. That? Okay. So that's one that we're we're working on. So we're planning this episode out. 
Yeah, I want to Tennis and I had a conversation <laughs> about it just a week ago. And so we both wanted to kind of get on point with this one because mm. it's a pretty hot topic. Mm. You know, a lot of people, people who are kind of, you know, into that talk about, especially the alien conspiracy theorists, talk about it all the time. And mm. I think there's probably, if everything went the way that I think that it went, I believe that there was other populists on other planets. It's still in the same star system. Um, I, I 100% believe that that's an actual base. I think it actually is. Some people say that's where um, some of the Anunnaki came from. Like that was a, a kind of like a fallout from there. Yeah. I I thought it was an Anunnaki base. Yeah, that they used like they were, you know. So my interpretation of the Anunnaki were they were more colonizers. It was more of a structured colonization of planets that they wanted. I think that they were after um, a lot of resources. And, and then we've seen even even like modern tellings of that story that what's that cowboys and aliens story yeah. mm. to me very much reflected the Anunnaki. Now the 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 body that they use for that alien is very different than what I would you know kind of kind of looked at it, uh, an Anunnaki as. But I I'm looking at it saying they're telling the, the the back end of that story was which really about colonization, uh, pulling resources out, a smattering of, of knowledge. Where just some of the other deities we had different relationships with. I feel like with with uh, the the beings from Sirius B, it was more of a friendly, brotherly, uh, mentoring type of, of relationship, and far less of a of a let's steal your resources and you do all the work. Right, and mm -hmm. I think either I'm probably going to mess this up as either Cairo or um something means like Mars or something like that. Oh, I gotta find that one now. Yeah, yeah, I gotta find that one now. There's, there's some translation that you know coincides the two between you know Mars or Sidonia and Egypt or Cairo, something, something like you know there's a link there's a there somewhere. There. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely believe that. I mean, that's you know, like I said, I felt like the the temples were a part of that building process, allowing mm -hmm. for communication. However, they transport it back and forth. So yeah. I look at those bases and I would look for pyramid structures right. in that base as well. I mean, right. we knew what the Anunnaki, they were you know, and it always built as this advanced civilization yeah. that never, and, and, I, and they never sourced the Anunnaki as having originated here. None of their myth right. stories are about the Anunnaki originating here. So I automatically assume that they were from elsewhere. Right. And that's still, that's still, I think holds pretty true. And I don't think it's real like actual, like uh space travel i think it's like more stargate type uh I, 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 that's yeah. actually that's what i always assumed that the pyramid structures were ultimately for mm -hmm. that you know when they were built and they were covered and they had the gold you know gold mm -hmm. to me gold for these advanced civilizations was not about something that looks good that you wear right. it was about transferring energy right, right. Mm -hmm. this is the most efficient way to transfer energy so when that's you have so those geeked over yeah. on the on those pyramid temples set where they were specifically positioned they were all about drawing in the energy for probably something like a gate which we assume would take a lot of energy in order right. to do that and one of the the i mean it, it kind of resembles a pyramid there's a few pyramid shapes on you know the the surface of mars uh allegedly yeah and one of them is a, a five-sided pyramid and i didn't know until as of late one of the pyramids you know in egypt the, the great pyramid great one you know, yeah. yeah when it does shine a certain way it is a five-sided pyramid right yep. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, yeah. Yeah. That's a. I mean, that's pretty much a bombshell. And we had lots of structures, like you said. There are lots of older structures that were, uh, uh, as they were kind of developing, you know, building the pyramid structures all over the world. And so I think they were put at specifically key mm-hmm. places for that idea that you would yeah. be able to bring back. So that the, you know, that's one of the things. Over time, we talked about how uh, we felt like they were here, and that connection is severed. Somehow, we're not feeling their presence anymore. That's what I kind of look at is to first thing is like at temple maintenance. Well, what if that was the source? That was the place where you went, you know, you did your, your meditate, whatever it was to get that communication, but it lacks the structure that it once had. So again, they become, uh, you know, not effective uh, formats. And the whole, you know, fake, you know, NASA space race stuff, how it looks totally bogus. I think like that's not really obtainable. It's more so. The start ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> you can't get into a ship and fly to anywhere. It, it's too far. Like, so we also know that okay, the universe is expanding, right? So it's actually everything's actually getting further apart. Yeah, exactly. you're gonna tell me. I mean, unless you damn, you that's know, a good ass point. I mean, look the 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 fantasy that we could break the speed of light. Okay, if we could break the speed of light, all right, all right, I believe you. Mm-hmm. I believe you. Otherwise, it's hundreds of thousands of years to the next closest star system. Mm-hmm. So you're never getting into a ship. I don't care how long <laughs> your cryo sleep is going to be a million years. That's how long your cryo sleep is going to be for mm-hmm. you to get into a ship and wake up on another planet because everything's too far. So it have to be some type of stargate wormhole scenario. Yeah, That's right. the only circumstance. So th- look, they can build sport- space force all they want. that's about as far as i think you're gonna get Mm -hmm. and to like bring this like kind of like full circle you know nasa has like a whole uh hermes you know slash those uh project that they have like on a space station yeah 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 because they know i mean you know there's a level of real knowledge that they pulled out of those belief systems i mean you know one of the things i always reference the dogon tribe and them having knowledge of constellations Things they should never have been able to see. Things I know they could not look up into the night sky and see, but yet they still were able to predict where these planets were, these planetary bodies were. So somehow they had some knowledge of the cosmos. Where that came from when you didn't have telescopes is really the you know the real amazing part of that. Yeah, I think it's like more asking those questions within than somebody answering, like mm-hmm. some type of channeling or, you know what I mean, tapping in. Yeah. I mean, you, and again, your pineal gland becomes very important, mm-hmm. right? Under that, under that context, and the pineal gland is something that we reference over and over again. I mean, even on the back of the dollar bill, when you look at that all-seeing eye, well, that's a reference to your pineal gland. We're watching the Thundercats and Lionel's looking through the sword of Omen to try to see what's going to happen in the future. Well, he's referencing yeah. your pineal gland. So there's something yeah. very specific about using your brain to access that information versus like. I'm going to get into my cutlass spaceship and fly over there. You know, <laughs> how many light? Yeah. I mean, when people say it's a, it's light years away. I'm like, well, do you understand what that means? You can't get there. You can't, you can't fly at the speed of light. You can't break. That's physics. That's a, a cosmological constant that you cannot break. Laws of physics say that. <clears throat> so I don't think that we're relying on that technology in order to, to get around the universe. And then when you realize there's a link between Hollywood and NASA, it's like, okay, this is the same guy. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Hollywood is an amazingly crazy beast because 
They will never rep. Okay, I would say this. You're a Hollywood writer. You want a good story. I don't think there's any better stories and things that were written 2,000, 3,000 years ago that still people are reading to this day. But they will never take a story out of mythology and just tell you that story. It's always a change to it. It's always something about it. They, you're not like the gods of Egypt was intentionally shot that way, right? They wanted to give you an idea about what the, the roots of this ancient civilization would have been. They wanted to sell you on skin color or mm -hmm. ideologies or things like that. So Hollywood is much, and I, I, I grew up, I got into mythology because of Hollywood. Like literally, mm -hmm. I was like 10 years old. I go down and see Clash of the Titans and I'm like, that's it. Right. I started consuming mythology right after that, not knowing how flawed what they were feeding us ultimately was because all the I'll give do you guys like the Clash of the Titans by any chance? The original? Yeah. The original with the little golden owl. Yeah, the golden owl and all that, right? Yeah. So Andromeda, who is a central part of that story, is actually an Ethiopian queen, Ethiopian mm. princess, right? Mm. They Greek scholars talk about her. And how pretty and dark skinned that she was. This, well documented. We don't even have mm -hmm. to go far to look at it. Herodotus <laughs> writes it down. Why then has Andromeda gotten progressively fair skinned, blonder as every movie that's gone by? You know? And, and speaking of that, uh, why do you, I mean, they, I mean, of course they always gonna lie, but in Egypt, it depicts a, a portrait of Ramsey basically winning a, a war, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And basically uh, leading his people to victory, you know what I'm saying? But in the story of, you know, um, like what's the, what do they call it? The Disney movie. Um, Prince of Egypt. What? The Prince of Egypt. Yeah, the Prince of Egypt. It shows, you know, and of course the story of Moses is that mm -hmm. he was defeated, you know, once Moses departed the Nile, he split the Nile. And, you know, Ramsey and his war, his uh, his army was was killed. You know, from the from the water. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they uh, all you know, that story? It's like this, man. It's like you got a brother who was a great brother, who was undefeated. Literally, he was this man. His his military might was unquestioned. So the only thing you could do is lie about what actually happened to him. And to show Ramsey's in defeat in a Disney films. Well, that was the first time he actually would have would have took an L. He was uh, so uh, again. You take you take you take a history and you flip it to make it the opposite. You turn it upside down. It like it like I said. I talked about it with Emotep. It was the same thing. Why would you take a man who was a scholar, uh, a learned man who built pyramids, who introduced medicine for the first time? How does he become a villain in a movie? Mm -hmm. you you, I mean, you could have went with anybody else. To play your villain, you chose specifically a hero to turn him into a villain. So there's something about the way Hollywood takes a story. They instantly flip it upside down. So you're not rooting for the people that you should be rooting to, rooting for. Because Imhotep was not a, a bad guy. Imhotep was a hero we should all venerate. He was a scholar. That's what He's the type of person we want our kids to look up to and want to be like. Imhotep. Wow. And wasn't Mo... I'm sorry. You got it. Uh, wasn't Moses? Uh, he he came to Kemet to study the comedic ways. Yes. Am I right? Yes. And then he committed murder, and he left 
Kemet, correct? Yes. yes. And then once he fled Kemet, he then needed people to follow him, and then that's when he created his stories of the Ten Commandments, correct? That's correct, right? That's very true, yep. Okay, all right, Which, yeah. which, which right has here. very odd parallels to... I'm learning. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to think of the guy who... There was another story about... Uh, because they made him look like the hero in the story, right, you know? Right. So when you say that as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's 100% the truth. You know, there, there's another fable out there about a guy who establishes a civilization... And it's the same story. The 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 uh, nation of Islam tells the story too. I can't remember who the figure was, um, but he basically created dissension among a group of followers. He was in Kemet, or he was actually in an African nation, and he started to grow dissension because there was there was a rule that he knew about. Again, kind of going back to dark psychology about so many people in a society are disgruntled, right? And that if you could affect those, you could create a massive number to overthrow that mm. community. And that's what he was attempting to do. Now, the pharaoh or king got wise to it and ultimately expelled them out of the empire. Very similar to the story that we hear with Moses is that you were creating dissension and then ultimately you were expelled from that civilization. Um, mm. now, now, the important thing is, you know, <clears throat> historically... Slavery has got us really messed up because, like, we know some societies engage in slavery, but not all civilizations engage in slavery all the time. So looking at the biblical account, that's a story that it just it's it's one that's really hard to tie down because we don't know. You know, first of all, when they say, well, those pyramids, you know, they were built by the slave. So a group of pe a group of modern people take credit for building some stuff that they can't tell you how it was actually done. <laughs> Right. I mean, that's essentially what it is. OK, so your ancestors built this when you're a slavey. How? They'll never be able to give you anything <laughs> resembling an answer. Right. But it does detract away from what this civilization accomplished yeah. and gives this other group of people right. some type of standing to what you know, what well, we endured this. We built that. Well, you know, we know who built the White House. That's a whole different story. Right. Yeah. We don't have Some to look for know who yeah. built the White House. Right. And you but know the timeline. Those pyramids here. Well, we actually don't know. And I think there are some lies. Like, I think some people are trying to tie some history in there that may not necessarily be factual. And that's as far as I'll go on, on that because that topic can go real deep. All right. Well, even based on what you kind of saying, even right there, do you think the the modern man right now, just any race? Well, actually, I mean, yeah, even us. I guess we could say. Um, do you think the modern man is the same as the people who built the pyramids and we're just kind of just dumbed down to where we're not reaching our full potential to our full capacity or, you know, uh, access, um, having access to the you know, majority of our brain. They didn't even have the ability to do that because, you know, we have television now, we have entertainment, we have all these, you know, distractions left and right all day. But if we could focus our mind and energy Flaming on hot Cheetos. You, you, anything, but you know, people back in those days may not have the level of distraction that we have now. So, do you think we're the same person, or we? Do you think we devolved from those people? Um, I think there's been a, a. I think we're the same people, and we got disconnected, you know, from what that source of knowledge was. I think some people still hang hang on to it. I mean, we've kind of referenced a Dogon who still hang on. To that, to that knowledge, they kept it a part of their culture. And I think that the rest of us, it, you know, it reminds me of, of 
obviously the time that you know African Americans spent here who were on plantations. The the first thing they wanted to do was cut you off from knowledge to the point, you know, one, one of my teachers explained it to me when I was in high school and it was very impactful. And someone was, uh, we were watching a historical movie and they were, you know, kind of clowning on how the way the slaves talk, you know, that and this, right? And my teacher took it to the side and said, well, you know, kind of calm down on that. He's not any different than you, but imagine you didn't know how to read, you didn't know how to write intentionally, right? And all you have in is what you hear so you're interpreting it the way that your ears are telling you. So this starts to sound like this. And while you sound more ignorant than me, I do understand that you were not necessarily less intelligent. I believe that we had geniuses at the same rate in ancient times that we do now. Right. And I think that certain people realize that when you have that exceptional person that's supposed to lead a civilization or rise up a group of people, if you can take those away you can stunt a civilization, especially, you no, know, no, I'll look at it and, and we say that because of colonization, we know that Africans endured a lot of the same stuff that we did. So if you, if you can be smart about taking away that one leader per generation, one, you get a, you get a Dr. King, you get a Malcolm X, you get, cause, cause we know those people don't come around all the time. Right. And then who, who was, who was it? The, the director of the FBI said there will not be another black Messiah Hoover. unless we, Hoover, unless yeah. we create it. So they yeah. understood the power Intel of what Pro. that special person who can change a civilization or can unite a civilization means. And that's what it's it's historically always been. So if you take away that resources, you can back a civilization down 100 mm. percent. And that was well I, agree. Yeah. I agree with it. That, that was that was well put. And yeah. um, I think even just the amount of, you know, uh, distraction that's being pushed out now, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, like you said, we might have the same amount of geniuses little geniuses just walking all around yep. you know the inner cities of america everywhere mm -hmm. but you know what's been at their their genius is being influenced by you know mm -hmm. all this ne negativity that's being pushed every single day towards them and they may not reach their full potential yeah even the curriculum too is like you will see like you know the stories of like oh this 13 year old person is going to harvard right now but it's like they're going to harvard they, they're learning like you know what i mean the uh you know the the routine way of you know I mean, going about it they're not like being pushed you know in the right direction you know what i'm saying right, yeah, right. So. i mean we see genius all the time it's just unfortunate it's only allowed to be displayed in certain ways right like we kind of forget okay we see these brothers who on the basketball court are amazing and you're shooting yep. these jumpers genius, and you're yeah. doing all these calculations yep. in your it's not just yeah. i throw the ball you're calculating distance you're calculating yep. your body moving but they're just doing it just like that right yep. i mean so because it's kind of directed and they're allowed to thrive in those ways, you get to see that excellence rise in those ways. But if you have kids who from an early age were taught their math skills, started learning the real secrets and intricacies of numbers, what it means. I mean, you come from people who developed chemistry, who developed all these sciences, but yet we feel disconnected from them. So I think yeah. that's a hundred percent. And then you do a little bit of programming. I mean, there was a point, you know, I, I turned 50 in January, right? And me and my wife had a conversation. And my wife's educated as well. And there's a point because of the media that we were exposed to that we were kind of thinking, well, damn, maybe we are a little bit behind, right? Like that you can actually program intelligent people to think less of themselves based on the meat, mm. the, the, what you're feeding them. And it wasn't until mm. we started really looking at it. I said, okay, well, let's look at some of the things that happened prior to colonization and slavery. Because, like, people can say what they want. Nobody robs broke people. 
Nobody robs a house. <laughs> <laughs> I like when that. You went, when you went to, to West Africa and you started colonizing, you weren't taking slaves. Nobody there was a slave. They were doctors. They were farmers. They were, they were all the things that we have right now. They were just like us at that time. And mm. the reason you went there is because they had the most thriving community that existed. They were mm-hmm. rich. It was called the Gold Coast for a reason. So then you take all this knowledge, all this civilization was peaceful civilizations. And then you say, well, they everybody was running around in grass skirts and they didn't know anything. So, I mean, that's what you, you destroy the schools, you destroy yeah. the structures, and then people are trying to put themselves back together. And even like we had mentioned, you know, you guys had talked about Haiti, Dominican Republic. One, well, they stood up and took their freedom back. But mm-hmm. the rest the Western world has conspired to make sure that they're economically oppressed. Because yep. of that, they're still paying money to the French. I mean, think about that concept. That <laughs> to this day, <laughs> to this day, you fought for your freedom against them, and you owe them money because of that that's still crippling your economy. And it's you funny how nobody enforced that. Yeah, it's funny nobody will stand up and like talk about that. Yeah, no one yeah. stands up in defense of Haiti, and they absolutely should. They could be a thriving community. That's 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 a. This is what we will do to you if you successfully rebel. And there's a lot of that. We can we you don't have to go far to look at Vietnam. And I, I tell people all, all the time, mm. okay, explain to me what the United States was doing over Vietnam. And what you were doing was protecting French colonial powers. The French had taken over those people, they got tired of it, they put a boot to it, right? And so then after that, after you defeat the French, Heroin. then the United States Army comes over there, and you still gotta represent against that too. So there is definitely a conspiracy among like Western powers. We know are all connected, British, French, Germans. They're all connected to each other through bloodlines. The Spanish, Portuguese, all that. And they did when they decided that they were going to divide up Africa. They had a meeting about that. They sat down together so they could figure out who could steal which parts and what they were going to do. And the only advantage that they had was rapid repeating guns. The gun is what changed civilization around the world not that you were smarter more intelligent you had a better weapon yet scholars over here and we can imagine neil neil degrasse tyson is not going to be the best fighter right john henry clark is not (laughs) you had all these scholars they become susceptible to warriors soldiers and that's unfortunately how sometimes the world gets changed yeah guns germs and steel y'all watch that yeah yeah absolutely So, you have mentioned uh, Malcolm, Martin, all that. So, like, uh, do you consider these people as prophets? Do you consider people um, in our uh, ancient or more recent past prophets? Why aren't there more prophets in today's times? Um, I don't know if prophets. I'll have to think about that. I don't know if prophet is the word that I would use. There's definitely something special about them. And I think that I think that the powers that were that were kind of opposition to our culture and civilization understands that power. You can identify the intelligent people. You can identify the most talented people. And if you can change their agenda, if you can isolate them, I think there's always that continued continued struggle. I look at Malcolm and I thought, well, Malcolm has the ability. Malcolm saw some things worldwide that a brother with his education level should not have understood. Mm -hmm. And because of the force of that, because he understood, hey, I can go to to Libya, right? If I'm going to Libya and I'm going to Cuba, he understood what he was doing in terms of connecting people. 
And, and what he really started doing was putting together resources. So imagine just like, you know, you get countries like, uh, 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 I can't remember who the Russians are invading right now. We sending them resources to Christ. fight, right? So if we would have had Libya and, and Cuba and other countries who wanted to get the, that's why the United States cut that off because they saw the power of that, of that one leader. I think uh, Dr. King had it as well. You know, he's another guy that you look at, you know, using vibration. Him and Malcolm were very different, but Dr. King knew the, the, the power of the rhythm of his voice, the cadence of that particular group of people and what they would respond to. And he was a master at that. So I think he did have that something special it. And I think the reason we haven't seen as many of them is as, as a group, we're not that connected. I mean, there's not like sometimes the brightest and the best of us don't have a reason to look out for the rest of us because of how we're structured. You know, it's more like if I can get my individual break, it takes a lot to be like, okay, I can be up here and live good, but I still want to help my brothers down here. That takes a lot that I don't think as many, and and they've, they've systematically gone around the world, killing off people who were dissenters against us kind of, you know, coming together and unifying, having a currency having money that's based on our own resources, not allowing other people to, 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 to come and take those resources and process them other places where you've got all this stuff in Africa. Africa is the richest place in the world. The British could not feed themselves. The reason why British colonies, because they could not feed themselves. And when World War II, when the Russian, when the German U-boats were cutting off access from boats getting in, the British were starving to death. That doesn't happen in Africa. You can't starve them at when you're in a lush place where you have, you know, animal stock and, and, and vegetation and all those things that grow naturally. So there's definitely a, a flip to, to how we see. And I think you cut off the resources, you cut off uh, uh, those special people, those emo taps, mm-hmm. then that's how you can impact uh, impact the civilization. All right. So um, I have a question as far as what do you think is the difference between, like we would say, even um, uh, Martin Luther King or Malcolm X? But then even earlier, and I'm not comparing them as far as like, you know, from a um, moral perspective, but I would say, how would, how would you separate a person who has the ability to galvanize people like a Jim Jones, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever mm-hmm. he was preaching, mm-hmm. you know, those people believed and they thought this guy was a savior, but you know, he yeah. was a, a devil in disguise. We, we can throw Hitler in there, you know, yeah, the same Hitler. Thing. he yeah. was speaking to his people. They thought this guy was a savior. So how do we separate, you know, and you know, Malcolm X and the Martin Luther King separate from those people? You see what I'm saying? Because to whoever is listening, if you feel like he's talking to you, you sound like he's the he sounds like the good guy. You see what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, how would you separate those people? I don't think that you can. Like, I mean, I think it's a foundational you know, belief. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that. That's universal. That all people will benefit from. I guess. Um, you understand what I'm saying? Like, they have yeah, to be. I, I definitely do. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think when we look at, at people like that, it's kind of where their intent was. I think, you know, you know, with Hitler, exactly. Mussolini, I think they had it. They definitely had it. Um, and, and the only thing that changes is what their intent, like what their ultimate goals were. You know, you know, they get geniuses there. They get leaders there. And, and I think it's important to understand what everybody's motivation was. Right. Like if we go back and we look at Hitler and the Germans. Right. They were looking at their group of people as one living organism. And really, I mean, it's messed up, but they wanted to protect that. It just happened to be at the expense of everyone else, right? Mm -hmm. They needed 
Nobody but, else mattered. Yeah, they, yeah, nobody else mattered. They needed living space. So they needed to be able to grow. It just happened that you live someplace where I needed to grow, which is what the problem, you know, what the problem was. I think here in the States, like what, what we manifest a lot of times as racism, well, there's a reason for that. So wh- why, why would a, a group of people uh, of a certain melanin have fear of the others? Well, it comes down to genetics, right? If we, if we read Dr. Cress Wilson's book, Francis Cress Wilson's book about mm-hmm. color and race, and she explains it. There is a group here that has the ability to be genetically annihilated, right? Because all we're talking about is dominant, dominant, and recessive, recessive. So when we talk about a world, now, if you're Malcolm, you can talk about a world where everybody gets together and we're all free and we're all equal. But if you're Hitler, you can't do that. Because if we start mailing everybody together, there won't be a lot of recessive, recessive in the end. You'll have a lot of dominant, recessive, and dominant, dominant, right? There is the real potential for genetic annihilation. That's 100% the truth. Nobody talks about that. But if we said, okay, what is it that these people actually fear? This is what they're fighting against. So if you're on that side and you're telling yourself, I'm fighting for our continued existence, in my own head, you're not, you can't be a villain, right? If you're like, I'm fighting for my people. Now, as an outsider, I would say, look, I don't necessarily want you to go away. I understand that. And if we actually took the reality of it and said, okay, this is what these people fear because if we were all friendly and my daughter was marrying your son and vice versa, I'm still going to be here. My genetics are not going to go away, but other genetics will go away or will be reduced. So if we took that and said, okay, how, how do we protect your right to continue to exist without you having to kill me? Cause it's all linked into all the stuff. Like, look, that very concept goes back to Emmett Till. Right. What why were you seeing this young black boy as a threat? Well, it's all about genetic procreation. Why do we always hear stories about the 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 myths of black men all over the world? Well, it, again, it's about that sexual dominance or genetic dominance. So I, I think that colors more of behavior than any of us ever want to think about. But if we wanted to face, if we wanted to have a level of like peace and, and coexistence, we would have to address that. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty much what it is. It's, it's that self-preservation. You want your your uh, bloodline, your genetic uh, makeup. You want that to continue on in society. And if you see someone else that has a different genetic makeup than you, who could potentially, you know, be a threat to that, you know, that's just pretty much what's going on all around the world right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that abortion ban, bro. But the point I'm, is, do you think that the, the concept of even trying to come together? Do you think that's even possible when? Everyone's trying to preserve their nationality. I mean, if you put it like that, you know. I think that I think that there is a group that went around the world and did what what a colonizing armies do. You take over mm-hmm. a place, you kill the man, right? But you keep the women because you're gonna breed. This is how you call. It. But what they start to realize is I'm breeding with this brown women, and I just keep having more brown babies, right? So I continue to be in that genetic minority. So in order to reduce me in, in my minority status, all I can do is, is kill you. Right? I mean, I, I have to. So I think that's what we lead to. Like with, with lynching, right. it was always prevalent that you castrate, right? Mm-hmm. That was the symbol, that they would take penises, uh, uh, scrotums, and keep them as souvenirs because that was tied to this genetic battle. I mean, that's I don't think you can get – I mean, we remember the old terminology used to be tall – dark and handsome, and handsome yeah. right so that that's that's 
it's all rooted right in there. And I, like I said, I read Dr. Cress Wilson's book about five years ago, and it started to change my perspective on, on looking at what people do right now. She's the truth. So that She's means truth. that means it would literally be an impossible then, because if we were all one and all love and to be all kumbaya, that means I can go mess with the white girl. You know what I'm saying? And have babies with her, and eventually the white man gets wiped out, right? Well, <laughs> so see, and, and, and my only my only solution. Time magazine that, got an article about that. Well, my only solution to that is look, if 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 keeping you alive means that I don't date your daughter. I'm willing to do that. If you're willing to leave me alone, right, and I'm happy here, you had a place where you were happy, right? What you want to do is spread your genetics all over the world and found out you couldn't do it. So if we had a conversation and said, look, everybody's got some European friend, cousin, somebody that you're connected to, they're like, I don't want you to not exist, right? I like your contribution to the world. How would we keep that group of recessive, recessive genetics alive? Well, you might have to stay over here where there's not that many of us. Mm -hmm. If you That's come to a place like America, unless you can wipe all the red melanin people out, you can't really, you know, and then you bring over a bunch of melanated people, what do you think is going to happen? That's yeah. your fault yeah. doing that. I also think if, like, when you do that, like, if when you're bringing all of us together, one, you have to start with, like, uh, self-education, like, learning who you are. And I think in learning who we are, I think people will come to a sense of, you know, to to find more love for one another, to not even want to consider uh, dating outside, you know, the race. Because once you now know, like, I mean, not to say that people won't, but even like to to hear something like, like nowadays, these dudes out here in the street just doing all this crazy stuff. If they really knew who they were and where they come from, I don't think they will be doing the things that they're doing. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So, I do agree with that. So, like, like I, I feel that if if we were all to come together, there will be some sense of you know self love to to the to the point where people will start to say, you know what, I want to keep my name going, or you know, I want to keep my heritage going on, you know, my tradition, my culture, and keep that going on, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah I mean, I think that's, a, I, I agree, I, I think that's a real thing, but also, with if, like I said, we all come together, and what I'm talking about as far as living close in proximity, I, people are going to, people going to have sex with who's close with them, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, at the end of the day, race or not, people going to want to have sex. If there's, if, if there's some ass around, nobody's yeah. ready. You got no choices. Right? You got a lot of options. You're going to mess with what you see. What's yeah. there? So, what I'm saying is, it will have to be a separation. It has to be a respect. Like, okay, y'all going to be over here, pro yes. free over there. Yeah. Okay. But that's what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is, like, I don't think it's realistic for us all to coincide, neighbors, just big kumbaya love fest. Cause I think it's almost. A, a natural sense of tribalism in almost all people. You know what I'm saying? Whether right. they well, deny it or not. Well, that's I mean, what Abraham it, Lincoln said. Well, you know? it's curious because when we look at specifically the Germans, right? We'll take that. And we know that they were looking at themselves as one living body, right? If you and and also I think the first uh the first scientist to talk about dominant and recessive genes was also a German. So if you had mm. taken those two facts together, you'd say, look, Germany, maybe you don't want to go down to Africa instead of colonies for this reason. Right. <laughs> but they did it anyway. Mm. Right. So there there was a denial of what 
dominant and gen- and dominant and recessive actually mean? I mean, we, we think about this like dominant genes produce dark eyes, which actually see better, right? But we live in a world now where we're taught to value light eyes, which are inferior, not because of anything I'm saying, but because of what your purpose of the melanin in your eyes is, right? To block out certain amount of sun rays so that you can actually see. So darker eyes have better visual acuity, but we live in a society that tells you, well, value this, right? This skin actually produces melanin. Like We know the value of melanin. You use melanin and all kinds of stuff. But we also have a, a society that tells people, go bleach your skin. So we've got some like real upside down inequities on the stuff that we value and what we don't value. And they're all rooted in what our genes are. So somehow we have to be able to reconcile, reconcile those two. Mm-hmm. I like that. That was a good. That was a good topic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I had I had I had okay. something. Uh, it's just real quick. I I kind of I can't I can't find a video, but I'm looking for it now. But I don't know if y'all know, uh, Kaba Kameni. That's oh, Uh, let me let me. You know, oh, can y'all see? Oh no. I got this damn filter on. Y'all know, y'all know him? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, oh yeah. He had a uh he had a he had a video um I was watching like maybe a couple weeks ago or whatever, but he was talking about um um how Hitler would be rolling in his grave if he found out that the actual Aryans were actually black. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I think he knew. I think he knew. It was I like he was he, trying to get ahead of the curve because he was like one of the the first people to like. No, he but, wasn't the first people. He was like one of the few people that had access to like the uh, one of the uh, the uh, one of the tombs. It was like him, Napoleon, and like Aleister Crowley. It but was like, this, uh, but, oh, in Egypt. I, yeah. I wanted to piggyback off what Marcus was saying when he listed all of those people. Um, mm-hmm. the difference between all of those people literally. Got everything they known and how exactly, to yeah, uh, exactly. from Kemet. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Even yeah. Hitler. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like how the how they led because Germany they weren't really that big. Yeah, and he they was all yeah. He numbers. sent people everywhere, like out in right. Tibet and you mm-hmm. know South America. Yeah, he was going up like, snatching so. up religious artifacts. Yeah, yeah. Right. searching for knowledge. Pretty much right. like the whole Indiana Jones. Uh, series. Oh yeah, he yeah that might be Indiana right. Jones. Hitler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean the, Ger- like the Germans and, were heavily featured in that. Yeah, and it was yeah, the were. same type it's of like story. Like him versus Smithsonian. Yeah, and taking <laughs> other people's sacred totems. There was knowledge that went along with that. Yeah. So they knew what they were doing. There's a there's a reason why they know everything about Kemet. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely a reason. They'll argue with you about it, but they actually know. I mean, there was even a period of time where the average British person had been told that they were they were all connected to to uh, Kemetic royalty. I mean, wow. that that was literally something that they. So and and, it, and it's crazy. We look at there's a lot of so called. Egyptologists that don't understand the basics of Kemet, mispronouncing words or names or taking European terminology for words that were, didn't even exist in, in this in the time timeline. Period. Yeah. So <laughs> there, there is a tremendous amount of of understanding that they have. It's how they're able to write stories like Shazam and Black Adam and and even the Green Lantern. All these stories that were based mm-hmm. on something from Kemetic beliefs. So they they know it. 
They extremely know it. They know the right things to say. They know what's the truth about it, which is how you're able to then write lies about it. That That's just mm. a convenient truth that yeah. every single representation that you would see as a hero character has been turned into something that is not a hero. And it plays out. It's like even in the uh the what's it called the the music awards or like even some of the award shows yeah. have like certain little things that play it out. Literally, yeah. you playing this stuff out. It's like it's constant. It's, Ritual, it's almost yeah. every day. If you watch a Hollywood production, there's going to be some sort of symbolism or something in there. Oh yeah, everything. You know, even it'll it'll be a love story. You know, and mm-hmm. it'll it'll be it'll be like a rom com, and they'll still have like some like you know. Uh, ancient, you know, love story between, you know, Horace and his wife or whoever, you know what I mean? It, it's just like the same, it's the same shit. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's repeated over and over again. And I'm like, this has got to be the greatest stories of all time if you keep mm-hmm. going back mm-hmm. to this repeated. remix. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's it's right. it's a perpetual remix. You don't see any Debbie. other mythologies in the world that get, get their stories told like that. Like you'll literally watch a movie with like J Lo and Owen Wilson, like you know what I'm saying? They call some ancient, you know. I'm telling you, they do it just like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I always say they know they know our history. They know West African. They know North African. They know the history because as they were looting and stealing, they were taking all that books and literature and they were reading those stories. All right, so I had mentioned um, Hitler, Napoleon, Alistair Crowley, and to uh, you know connect us with uh, with Thoth, because Alistair Crowley wrote the uh, the book of right, mm-hmm. the book of Thoth or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he wrote that. Thoth. Yeah. Well, I mean, probably like a version or whatever. But yeah, um, like, can you touch on any of his other books? Like, um, was like coming forth by day or. Um, I mean, like, the coming I, forth by day. Well, I'm which, a fan of the Kabbalion and all that. So, I mean, they're all again embodying that sacred knowledge. Now, I I always liked the book of coming forth by day because it was different than everything else. Mm-hmm. In the sense that you know they started calling it the book of the dead, but what it really is is a book of spells that that is in line with making a transition. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about how different ideas or concept of what death means, and the book of the, the dead yeah. was the book that when you woke up. Right. In whatever place that you had transitioned to, this was your instruction manual. So I, I think that the people had ideas or knowledge about how the universe worked. I mean, that's what Thoth was all about. He was telling you how the universe actually worked. So when you got up, I mean, and, and even the term spells or spelling comes from how we created the universe, which was just spoken word. So yeah. I, I do believe 100 percent there is uh, uh, levels that we can manifest that we can make things happen. I mean, that's what the mythologies tell us from the earliest beginnings, that there was speech and thought that went together to do this creation. So I, I think that what he what they were doing was sharing that knowledge. I think for Alistair Crowley, because I know he wrote some other kind of seemingly kind of nefarious books as yeah. well, but I think he overall had a good understanding of what that concept was. I, I think he knew what he was talking about 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's a few jumps. Uh, yeah, like the they say. And that's another question I have too, about how they call uh, both uh, Hermes uh, Transmagistus is like, mm-hmm. uh, which means like three times great. And then people, some people would say three times great means uh, he was like resurrected or uh, um, occupied three like avatars, you know, in different time periods, or mm-hmm. people say that he was a master of being, you know, a master of 
mind, body, and spirit, or they could say, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I'm just I, I you know, that was like when when I first reached out to you, and I was like, that's that, that's what I wanted to talk to you about with Thoth. And then I got into the whole Egyptian book of the dead. I got this shit right here. And then uh the Kabbalion and then this uh the divine pyromander. Mm-hmm. Hey, look into that too. I mean, like thoughts literature. I mean, there okay, so there is even a mythology about thoughts book and how much information that was contained in it. I and mean, emerald, yeah, in, emerald tablets, yeah, the emerald tablets, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, so I believe, and I, I believe that that body of knowledge does exist. Um, whether it's embodied in a single in a single structured book, I, would be you know obviously difficult for us to to put together. But I definitely believe, like the con, to me, the concept of thought is about the concept of higher intelligence, about mm-hmm. uh, about how you saw the the universe. I think it's really mm-hmm. what he embodied um and so so for me like thought has always been special to me because i was like okay i'm a i'm a i'm a scholar i'm a scribe i'm a writer i'm gonna learn things right so and again we're taking on uh thought character is really what it is right so mm. i i think that even from the earliest mythology he was linked to all the critical knowledge of the universe every single aspect of it he and Seshet. so i i do believe that people are trying to ask ask access that to hootie knowledge uh, that thought knowledge is is it's the you would be the most powerful person in existence if you had all of his accumulated knowledge because you would know how the universe works you would know what happened to you after your physical body died you would have knowledge of all these sacred things um that i think he was accumulating over time now the greeks of course learned a lot from africans i mean greek scholars were all throughout africa so I'm sure that they learned the early stories and they respected scholars so that they adopted him and kind of brought him into their pantheon. Makes sense. Although Thoth was still very different than a Zeus. I mean, with, with the Zeus, like when we started talking about uh, uh, the the Greeks, they had a very different idea of how the universe even started coming from the Titans and going through that tumultuous wars. So they were a very different group, but they managed to work in this guy who represents all this sacred knowledge, who never would have done the things that they did. I mean, like killing of your father and and the castrations and and all and swallowing your children was very mm-hmm. anti thought behavior, right? So working him into their system to me was just that part of them that respected um, the ancient knowledge that they were themselves studying, and they were able to bring that into a pantheon that, if we look at it on the surface, he is he is completely a, a sore thumb. Out of that group of, of mm, individuals mm, yeah yeah he is he, it's, especially because like they say he comes from Atlantis and it's like who can we yeah. say you know in history yeah you know what I mean made that transition from Atlantis to Egypt to you know bringing up Greek out there Greek. you know what I'm saying out of nowhere so like, yeah and see Atlantis is like the hottest hot spot in all history right <laughs> right and what and so the, you know, obviously we planned on talking about Atlantis, but it's one of those things where like, look, you know what? We better have everything on point before we get on the mic and talk Atlantis and publish a video because so many people have a, a, a visceral response to hearing stories about Atlantis, right? But we look and we mm-hmm. see where it's Africa, where is the Atlantic Ocean, right? We mm-hmm. can reasonably make assumptions to where Atlantis was. Now we've got a new movie when the Black Panther movie comes out. He's nemesis in this will be Prince Namor of Atlantis, hmm. who some would make an argument oh, that really? Prince Namor is 
a reference to Narmer, who was mm. the Nasu, right? So there are heavy connections between Africa and Atlantis. Mm. And, and, and then that's why it talked about, you know, somehow they act as if Africans never were seafarers, right? And I think right. so the idea is to kind of set that idea up. Well, black people didn't have anything to do with the sea. Our first, the first mermaid stories are from Africa. You didn't tell yeah. me you have a continent that large surrounded by water, but these people never came up with the concept of a mermaid. So, so the first, so if we go, if we go back, there's a book, it's called, uh, it's Mommy Wada, and it's some old folklore, and it's essentially telling the stories of the first mermaid or the people who you would call mermaids or the basis for that story. So Africans have always been heavily, heavily in time in time with sea stories. And the stories, I mean, we look at Kemet and we hear stories of advanced civilization. Atlantis is 100% there, but it's 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 tough waters. Yeah. You got to really know I, what you're doing. So you're if, jump into that one. if you had to make a bold prediction, where would you say on the map is Atlantis? I would say it's off the western coast of Africa, the northwestern coast of Africa. Uh, probably, I couldn't tell you how far out, but there are some indicators that it was in that area it absolutely okay. makes sense to me because i i've seen people made assumptions that it was in like you know sahara you know there's pictures Bahamas. of you know yeah i've seen people yeah that, yeah yeah you know i've seen that argument as well I, I have seen some of those arguments as well i don't know i always i always made the association with atlantis and the atlantic ocean that's kind of where my thinking was but i definitely think yeah. it was in that area off the coast of Africa is where mm -hmm. I, I think it was, but possibly the Sahara was obviously very, very different a few tens of thousands of years mm -hmm. ago. So it was, it was a lush land at one point. So it probably could have easily been a body of water there as well. Or it's just straight up and down uh, the Americas. Yeah. How you got all these mounds and stuff here, how we call this Atlanta, how it was, you know, just surrounded by all that, uh, that limestone and granite. So yeah. Yeah, very possible. Very possible. Mm -hmm. So yeah, man. I I don't know what you uh, what I got. Atlantis, the whole. All right, so if you can point a finger to, like those are the the uh, illusionists because we kind of talked about it earlier. Mm -hmm. Like, who would you say the illusionists are in the whole? um curriculum of our revised history you know i ha i hate to point the finger but i'm going to point the finger a little bit um I, I think that what we see from abrahamic belief systems has also been altered i don't think that it's a that it's a a, a coincidence that the seat of western power has always kind of been around those beliefs. I think even we go back to Rome, when Rome changed hands, Rome became under the influence of Abrahamic belief system. It wasn't a coincidence that at that time, Rome had control of the world. And then we can kind of see where the printing press came from and then the explosion mm, or proliferation yeah. of religions around the world. And right now, the three most dominant religions all go back to Abrahamic beliefs, right? So we look mm, at yeah. Islam, we look at Christianity, we look at Catholicism, right? Now, I want to point the finger at Catholicism almost the hardest because they've got so much influence around the world. So I, I if that's where I was going to point it, and, and, and again, I would say that there was a, 
a change in that system as well. I don't think that Catholicism is is representative of what it started off as, just like a lot of the other Abrahamic belief systems. So that's kind of where I point the finger at because, you know, Abrahamic belief systems are almost the easiest to divide people and get them fighting at various areas of the world to the point that they don't even understand a lot of times that they're worshiping the same God. I had a guy who I met who was a Christian who said, well, I don't like Obama. And I said, well, why is it you don't like Obama? And he said, well, he's a Muslim, which wasn't true. That was the first (laughs) error that you made. (laughs) I said, okay, so if he's a Muslim, because I'm looking at myself as someone outside of your belief system and I'm knowing, okay, ultimately you guys worship the same God, whether your practices or who you thought the, the prophets were are different. I understand that. And you should understand that too, that when you hear Muslims and they're talking about Allah, where they're talking about the same God that you bow down to. So I think there was something that happened within those Abrahamic beliefs, the people Mm -hmm. who were coming out of Africa. I think there's been a a, a tremendous change from the people who let a lot of Arabs will tell you that the Jews left Africa black and the Jews came back to Africa white. Okay. I think there Mm -hmm. was some changes there in, in assigning who those (laughs) true people were. Right. I think there's some changes in the, the Roman Catholic system. And when you look at the influence that they have of the world, that's kind of what I look at. They backed a lot of the colonizer states, right? Obviously through Europe, France, Germany, they were heavily involved with colonization. They were heavily involved in what the Nazis were doing around the world. So if I had to point a finger to what I think is one of the biggest sources, I would point at that branch of Abrahamic beliefs. You ever heard of the Council of Nicaea? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I mean, they to... sat down and they had plans on what they were going to do with mm-hmm. their influences around the world. And, and it 100% happened. And then that same religions were used once you had conquered those people. Now you start slipping this religion in, in, in this altered form that it existed. It kind of gives you a different perspective of that movie, uh, Constantine, which I love. Yeah. But, ah, you know, what yeah. 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 So yeah. it, it's funny. My grandmother watched uh, this movie. Uh, it was Kingdom of Heaven. Right. And it was Orlando, Orlando Bloom. And it was all about uh, uh, the Crusades, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had never heard the story. My grandma's very devout, uh, very devout Baptist, you know, uh, a Christian Baptist. Mm-hmm. And she started looking at the story and seeing how they were positioning. They, you, you, you offer people things like uh, 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 complete absolution of your sins. For doing okay, go over here and raid and take this. This is God's land, and this is buying your way into heaven. Or even early Catholics using the system of money, you could purchase your ancestors were dead, you could still purchase them a higher place in heaven or to yeah. your own place in heaven. It was tough. So I go back, so I always look at it because we look at some of the old African belief systems. The concepts of sin were different. You were not born with sin, right? Born with sin kind of puts you in debt already, right out of the gate, right from the rip. So I think it was a way of kind of influencing people's behavior, drawing away from more natural belief systems that were more individuals. You know, for me, um, I have I do not care what other people believe. You can tell me your belief systems. I might think it's absolutely crazy. My face will never crack because I do understand that. Well, it doesn't matter what you do. I still have my goal of how I'm supposed to live my life because I think this is what's going to happen to me in the end. So I can't be influenced by it, but some people believe it's their obligation, their right to influence how other people think about their afterlife or their life or whatever the case may be. And I think there's inherently a problem because their teachings are telling them to go do these things. So you get people who may never challenge their teachings 
and say, okay, it's my job to uh, uh, civilize you, to teach you about this God, because this dirty God that you're worshiping here isn't good enough, even though it's good enough for your ancestors for thousands of years. But mm -hmm. even, right, but let's say even, um, let's say you gain knowledge, like let's say you had the knowledge of thought or, you know, um, and you was fed, oh, I want to spread this knowledge onto people. Like even, uh, do you even think like, do you think that wisdom is even worth even trying to spread? Or you think that's only time for that person to, you know, the time for them to seek that knowledge, you have to seek that on their own rather than you trying to, you know, spread it yourself. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do think that, um, you're not qualified. I don't care if you've got the book of thought, whatever you think you have, you're not qualified to teach anyone. So yeah, like, it and, don't and make sense to me when I read like, it. Um, <laughs> like, the reason that there's not a bunch of Buddhas walking around is because the Buddha's gone. He achieved his attainment, oh, yeah, went okay. on to the next, and it's all for us individually to kind of follow our paths to attaining, uh, to get into a that enlightenment as well. So I, yep, I just yeah. think that's what it is. And they, they have a, a very, uh, a very, um, kind of solid explanation of like the Buddhists and the enlightened ones, but the Buddhist isn't, the Buddha's not walking around helping people, right? The Buddhist did what he did and that's the path that you follow. So I don't think mm. we're supposed to, what someone told me is that if you were in, I know you're not enlightened because you're still here, right? Uh. So that's kind of how, how I've kind of viewed it that I got to individually say, okay, this is my path. I have to follow it. I'm going to get my knowledge and then I get to transition or do whatever. I hope everybody else does it as well. But I have my responsibilities. I'm not I'm not good enough to be guiding other people to where I think they should they should be. That's not what my role is. Church. Mm -hmm. I'm not enlightened. I'm woke. I'm woke. I'm woke. That's why I'm still here. <laughs> right. <laughs> Damn. OK. Um, um, What's up with that book, though? Is the, is the book out? No, so okay, so the book has gone through some phases. Um, because I kind of got really distracted about it as I got deeper and just talking about mythology, but I am gonna come back to the book. I've I've played with some formats that I want to do it in, maybe an audio book, maybe I'll do some animation. I've still got uh. some character illustrations um that I'm working on right now for the book. Um, so it, it still exists, it's it just kind of taking a back seat to what we've been doing kind of on the daily. All right. But I, I support. I'm I'm ready to cop. Yeah. I, would I would definitely cop. say <laughs> lean toward the animation because people really can't. You know, what I mean, the tension span nowadays is trash. So right. <laughs> right. Unless you got uh, James Earl Jones. Doing that. <laughs> I know, man. I know. Or I gotta tell it in like 30 second, right? Like like yeah, you know, get it yeah. TikTok, right? That's, yeah. Tell man. the 30 second clips. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's still in the works. You know, my man tennis. He's also got something that he's developing as well. So I would look for us both to probably have something out. But we're just trying to get this thing kind of fully going. And then we could just spend our time just working mm -hmm. on the Nine World Chronicles animation. I know for my part, my story is heavily linked into not only just showing comedic, but also West African. But I mm -hmm. want to work some other belief systems in the world. Because I, I think ultimately multiple forces or, or influences had an effect here um, and I think they're rep represented in Chinese culture throughout uh, the Middle East. You know, all these people were were talking about things either that they saw and the mythologies are just are how they were expressing it to the rest of us. Is so, there, is my okay. fault. So can I ask, is it like um, so is it going to be like a historic type book or uh, I know you said it's sci fi, but is it more is it going to be like 
linked on historical facts or is it just going to be like multiple different types of stories or, or, or what's what's going on? It's going to be more kind of linked to historical facts because I, I, I think overall when we start having the conversations about uh, colonization for one, um, mm-hmm. I, I think that all fits in. It fits in under the mythology. I think it fits when you start saying, okay, we have a campaign that goes around and destroys libraries. Or we have a campaign okay. that goes around the world and we're destroying temples. I think there, I think there was a coordinated effort to that. So that's how I would look at it, is that we have two sides, one group that may have wanted to just give us knowledge. And there's lots of stories about these outside groups who wanted to give us knowledge or to help us. Um, I'm trying to think it was at the uh Pleiadians, right? it's another yeah. place that people oh, have always pointed to that star and said, Okay, yeah, that's a source of knowledge yeah. there, right? So that's I was white folks, like, right? I'm sorry, no, I don't think so. No, I thought it was, the, I thought that was the ones that they said they uh blonde haired and blue eyed or whatever, yeah, they were blonde haired, blue eyed, yes, the Pleiadians, right? That's like mm-hmm. that place was, was viewed as a source of knowledge, and, and honestly, I think that the Pleiadians are the Vanna here of Norse mythology. When, okay. when Asgardians talked about uh, their belief systems, they talked about this separate group of gods that would have fit that, that were not as warlike as the mm-hmm. Asgardians were. So mm-hmm. I've always looked at them and said they were a source of knowledge. The people from Series B were a source of knowledge. Vega system were a source of knowledge. I felt like the Anunnaki were businessmen, mm-hmm. almost more uh, than anything out there were after resources. But I think there was other, and <laughs> even the... Uh, the uh, uh, Hindu uh, religion, they talk about this great battle that takes in place sky. in the sky yeah. between mm-hmm. their deities and this opposing force. So I think there's probably some truth in that in that mythology as well. With the Vamanas. That's yeah. right. Yeah. You, you start that book out, you make sure you, you put based on a true story. Yeah, see, all right. <laughs> based exactly. on a true story. <laughs> and, and, I, and I wanted to represent Hathor, Jehudi is mm-hmm. already in, but mixing in some of the some of the other beliefs. <coughs> I don't know if you guys remember when Beyonce first got pregnant and she did that whole outfit when she was pregnant. Yeah, the whole uh, maternity maternity ritual and everything. Exactly. And she was representing Oshun. Oshun, yeah. And a lot of people didn't get that. They didn't even understand what she was doing. She was taking criticism for a representation of uh, the Virgin Mary or something like that. I'm like, no, that's not even what it is. So, like, we still see that those belief systems are alive and well. They're thriving. Right. And it's time to start uncovering. So we can kind of brush the dirt off of that because I think there's a connection between the two. So one of the first things I do in the book is bring the North African belief systems and the West African belief systems together, because I don't think that they're far apart. I think they're very similar. Right. What what North Africans or Egyptians said was Ma'at or balance. West Africans were talking about Ifa. Right. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same thing. They have a, a, a list of like things that you're supposed to live by, which is very similar to the 42 laws of my eye. So I, 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 so that's the mm-hmm. first thing I want to uncover is I want to knock the dust off of separating out these belief systems in Africa. They all use different, you know, quote unquote gods to tell their individual stories and their languages. But I think repetitively, they were saying a lot of the same things over and over again, just telling them in different forms. So that's the first thing we do is wipe those things out. And then I also say, you know, we look at what even natives believe here. Natives were into Pleiadians as well. Natives yeah. knew about the series star system. Star so people. Those are some of the connections we want to start pulling yeah. out. Yeah. Even the whole, you know, Natives movie that came out with the, the Predator. You know what I mean? Who? Battling. Yeah. They was battling the whole alien. And, you know. Did you say Predator? 
the, 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 the last one just came out. Yeah, it was called yeah. Pray. Called yeah, okay, yeah. so my partner literally, when I got home, called me, and he's like, we got to get into this Predator thing. It's so that hard. That's the first thing he oh, said. It's so hard. He said, you got to get into this Predator thing. And I said, well, okay, well, we're on this right now, right? We're going to have to back burner that for a little bit, but he's also from that same mindset of, okay. I got some stuff I need to show you about why we need to talk about the Predator series and what it's actually referencing in there. Because exactly. we saw, was it one of the Requiem movies where they're fighting out of this old uh, temple, like in, in uh, AVP. South America. AVP. AVP. Yeah, AVP, exactly. So, it, like, I'm there are some fan. interesting <laughs> things that they that they have kind of pulled in some of these movies. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be wrapping up. Annihilation in the two, my yeah, bad. That, which was the best part. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a couple questions to, to wrap up. Um, what do you what do you think of like what do you make of what we live on like this earth like in you know God, I was gonna ask that question yeah to like in, in a short like um flatter or sphere. not even that like what do you what do you make of this because like we or watch egg. so many movies of like multiverses or dimensions and you know what I'm saying stuff like this like what do you make of this earth like like how can you the best thing I could say is that, you know, I, I think that there's uh, this is just one of the transitions that we go through this like form of existence. It's probably the most basic. Right. I hope that it doesn't get any lower than this. Right. I kind of think that that's what it is. I think the earth ultimately is this great place that no matter what we do to the earth, earth is going to be all right. Right. I, I think it has the power to regenerate. It'll survive us. It's not worrying about us. So I think that this is the place where we're, we're starting. And as you go through and you and you transition, it's like moving from uh, ocean to air. Right. It's it's all hydrogen, and oxygen mixed together in different levels. So you're moving from a denser uh, uh, a medium to a lighter medium and so on and so forth until you get to that final that final ultimate destination. Yeah, man. It's just, I don't know. Everything is a mystery, and I just love, you know, I love the search. Yeah. <laughs> I love not uh, what you were just talking about, because I think it says something like that in the Kabbalion, where it's like you raise your vibration so high or you speed up. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, um, the density, um, the faster it goes, the lighter it gets, the slower it goes, the, you know, the thicker the density is. So if you raise your vibration up, you pretty much, because we're light beings. So eventually you become enlightened when you become light. So it's like, that's pretty much what you're talking about, right? Yeah, 100%. All right, okay. 100%. Still here, we ain't enlightened. Yeah. Still here. Well, <laughs> something that, that heavily influenced me uh, a long time ago right. was actually a science story, right? We know there's this um, Russian cosmologist who had a theory about light. And what he said was ultimately they have this big bang and you get these particles of light that go out and he predicted that over so many years this light would come back and it would mm -hmm. be changed in these various ways because obviously it's never it's never diminished and they discovered this they actually discovered this light i can't remember the guys who did it but it was uh uh they won the um nobel prize for this i'll have to find their name gamoff i think was one of the guys there but it was such it was such an analogy to what we kind of say is you know the ka or your soul that you go on this journey, you've got your core that is you, right? Your personality or what makes you that individual. But as you're going through, you're transitioning and you're changing, changing. So when you get to the end, you're something that's almost different than what you were, 
but still holding on to those those kind of core pieces. So I think we're kind of like those particles of light that he says went out from the first, you know, talking about the first particles of light ever. And eventually they came back and you can see them uh, when your TV's got static electricity because all that <laughs> light energy is still there. So that that was something that to me, I started looking at that and I started looking at like the belief systems about transition and change. And it seemed like if you relate the two coming from a single source, ultimately being expanded out, mm. going through various changes, and, and ultimately everyone's goal is to be unified. And that's where you have black holes and, and that. Can, so we go through mm. periods of expansion and contraction. And that's Shit. all ultimately that the universe is doing. Okay. See, I was going to ask you that. Like, okay. right after that question, I was going to ask you, like, what do you think happens in the afterlife? But okay. boom. Um, I think <laughs> our goal is to get back to being that unified being that we come from and that we mm -hmm. go through those course. cycles. So us individually, you know, mm -hmm. I'm still retaining myself, but um, I'm bringing back whatever, you know, when I come back to the source and I'm back, we're sharing all this knowledge from all these individual experiences. So it makes me think of the, the early mythology of Atum, where he sends his children out, Shu and Tefnut out into the universe so far that he couldn't find him. He has to send his eye out to get him. They seem like those particles of light that were going out and kind of creating the universe, which is still expanding. But eventually our star is going to run out of hydrogen. It's going to run out of helium and it's going to contract. And I think that's the extra, the last part of the process is that we all have these experiences, but you're all ultimately going to come back to that one singularity, which they would call Atum. Adam. Mm. Adam. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That right? I mean, I can't, yeah. I, I can't argue that because if that that has so many parallels, it's ridiculous. It know? does, and they play off Atum repeatedly, repeatedly. Adam in the Bible, all that. It's yeah, like, Amen. Yeah. Right. I told the guy, I said, you know, you may not believe in what I'm talking about, but you venerate Amen every time you say your prayers, yeah. and that's not me doing that. That's you doing that. And that's the yeah. smartest, smallest particle is the atom. Like this is right? all. See. So that, see, again, it was a piece of Atum that went out from the singularity and ultimately will come back. Yeah. When I tell Outside people that the connection at the end of their prayers, they'll be, like, they be like, oh, are you serious? I'll be like, hell yeah. <laughs> right. Hell yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, hey, this was a, a wonderful show. Um, we definitely have to do this again sometime. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and, and, you got, uh, you getting kidnapped. Uh, part of flight room. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> yeah. hey, I'm, I'm telling you, dude. My partner is the guy that you guys want to tap. Yeah, where he kidnapped you. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah. We're, all, on, we're always go. here. Hey, I enjoy the hookup, man. I enjoy what you guys are talking about. Anytime, anytime you guys want to, you know, kind of step it up and talk, talk about it, chat it For up. Sure. Man. Let's, yeah, let's and I know we were like kind of all over the place, but like yeah. maybe next time we can have like a one centralized, you know, topic, but. Probably not because we we still be all over. Yeah, conversation sparks conversation. Exactly. Else and that's organic. So yeah, absolutely, Kareem. Tell them where to you know where to find you at what you're working on right now. Um, oh yeah, so all that I got your website up underneath this description right here. So yeah, yeah, go by the website. Obviously, everything's up on up on YouTube. We're just kind of branching out to TikTok, all under Nine World Chronicles or Nine Creator. Um, right now, you know, me and me and tennis have been working on some symbolism. So if you wanted to learn a little bit about some of the ancient symbols, we just talked about the Shen. Uh, we talked about the Eye of Horus. We talked about kind of the Ankh. So we've been kind of going over some of the basic stuff. 
And what I really like that he's brought to the channel is he understands the metagnetia. He can translate. So we'll take times where we'll take an old relief and he'll sit down and break down what each of these symbols means so it tells you what they're actually saying. You know, he, he can tell you, okay, we're talking about uh, Montu here because you can tell by the headdress. We're talking about Tahuti here because of the Ebus, the e right? So there's so we've been like just getting to breaking things down. And now we've got a mythology that we're working on right now that is all tied around the Ghost Rider story, which comes from the spirit of vengeance, right? Which was yes. an avenging angel, right? And even deeper, how this has African origins. And this will go back to the Congo. We'll talk about Skull City. We'll talk about uh, Baron Fireskull, who were all Africans that actually come from real mythology that was kind of translated into comic books. And that's how you get Johnny Blaze, the mm -hmm. motorcycle ghost rider, is a version of that story. So the next the next episode will be on tomorrow. We're going to start talking about Ghost Rider and we'll probably do about uh, three episodes of that because we're going to talk about the black Ghost Riders. The first one we're going to talk about is Caleb. If you're familiar with the stories, it's a Marvel comic that uh, came out in 07. And this is a uh, 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 Civil War era era story about a black man who ultimately becomes the spirit of vengeance, also linking him back to African mythology. Love it. Mm. So much info, so much, you know, yeah. deep digging and what we do here in the uh, overtime of the Flight Room TV. So, yeah, until next time, everybody, it's me, Remy, please, of Flight Room TV, Kareem of Nine World Chronicles. We'll see y'all on the flip end. Please leave some comments, especially on all your podcast apps. We need some stars on there and some, uh, yes. some good reviews. But peace out, y'all. Peace right. out. Peace, everybody. I holla. House on the beat. Mm-hmm. <laughs>